Good evening. Welcome to the Monday, March 20th, 2023, 6 p.m. Measure U Community Advisory Committee meeting. Meeting is now called to order. Um, my name is Jacob Redberg. I'm the clerk. Uh, I'll now call the roll to establish a quorum. Member Bird. Member Cooney? Here. Member Diaz? Here. Member Dickinson? Here. Member Goris? Here. Member Macias? Here. Member Nahas? Here. Member Odo Kent? Here. Member Pasal? Here. Member Riviera? Here. Member Sala? Here. Member Wolf? Here. And Member Wright is absent. Thank you. We have quorum. I'd like to remember, remind members of the public in chambers that if you would like to speak on an agenda item, please turn in a speaker slip when the item begins. For members of the public who wish to join virtually, please refer to the agenda for the Zoom link. Once you have joined the meeting and wish and wish to speak, uh, use the raise your hand option uh, to provide uh, public comment uh, when the chair confirms the public comment speaking period of your desired item. If you're online, please click on raise hand on the bottom of your screen. In the mobile app, you can raise your hand by tapping the raise hand option in the more tab. If you're calling in via telephone, uh, to raise your hand, dial star nine then unmute or mute, then to unmute or mute, dial star six. Speakers will be called on by the last four digits of their phone number. You'll have two minutes to speak once you are called on. After the, spurt, after the first speaker, we will no longer accept speaker slips and the raise your hand feature in Zoom will be disabled. We'll now, we will now proceed with today's agenda. Um, first, we'll do the land acknowledgement. Uh, please rise for opening acknowledgments in honor of Sacramento's indigenous people and tribal lands. To the original people of this land, the Nisanon people, the Southern Maidu Valley and Plains Miwok, Patwin Wintun peoples, and the people of the Wilton Rancheria, Sacramento's only federally recognized tribe. May we acknowledge and honor the native people who came before us and still walk beside us today on these ancestral lands by choosing to gather together today in the active practice of acknowledgement and appreciation for Sacramento's indigenous people's history, contributions, and lives. Thank you. We'll now move to the Pledge of Allegiance. Pledge of Allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. First order of business today is approval of the consent calendar. I currently have uh, no speaker slips from those in chambers, and I have no hands raised online uh, for comments. Uh, are there any commissioners who wish to speak on this item? I see no hands. Do I have a motion? So moved. 
Thank you. And I do have a speaker, Miss um, Marjorie Dickinson. Second. Thank you. I have a motion from Member Wolf and a second by Member Dickinson. I'll now call the roll call vote. Member Bird? Member Cooney? Yes. Member Diaz? Yes. Member Dickinson? Yes. Member Gorris? Abstain. Member Macias? Yes. Member Nahas? Yes. Member Odo Kent? Yes. Member Paschal? Member Riviera? Yes. Member Sala? Yes. Member Wolf? Yeah. And Member Wright is absent. Thank you. The motion passes. We'll now proceed to the discussion calendar. Um, first item on the discussion calendar, item number three is the selection of chair and vice chair for calendar year 2023. Um, this is to, as the name suggests, uh, uh, select a chair and vice chair uh, for this next calendar year. Um, uh, commissioners may now um, um, either present themselves uh, if, they, if they would like to be chair or vice chair or nominate uh, another commissioner. Um, Oh, it looks like we have a staff presentation on the matter. Good evening, City Clerk, and the report for, before you is selection of chair and vice chair for calendar year 2023. So Sacramento City Code section 2.40.170 states that each city board and commission shall elect one of its members to serve as chairperson and another to serve as vice chairperson for each calendar year. A member may serve as the chairperson or vice chairperson for no more than two calendar years. The chairperson shall be the presiding officer and shall ensure the orderly conduct of the meeting. If the chairperson is absent, the vice chairperson shall act in that capacity. So the chairperson or vice chairperson in the absence of a chair is responsible for presiding at all meetings and charged with equally applying rules of conduct, ensuring parliamentary procedure is followed, compliance with the Brown Act, and that the scope and work of the commission is accomplished. Rosenberg's Rules of Order outlines parliamentary procedure and the Sacramento City Code outlines the scope of most city boards, commissions, and committees. The order and conduct of business are also governed by the City of Sacramento Council Rules of Procedure and the chairperson and vice chairperson shall start their terms at the next regular meeting. So typically the process is any member may nominate a fellow member or themselves for chairperson or vice chairperson. Once a nomination has been made for the chair, the legislative body shall vote on that nomination. And it's then common practice that the nomination for vice chair shall follow and the legislative body would then vote on that nomination. A majority of members present is necessary to pass a motion selecting a chairperson or vice chairperson. And I'm available for any questions.
So we'll now move to uh, public comments. I have no speaker slips from those uh, in chambers. And I have one hand raised. Um, I have one hand raised from uh, a member of the public online. Miss um, uh, Coffer, I'll now allow you to speak. Good evening, Measure You committee members. My name is Flo Jean Kofer. I am a resident of Sacramento and I served as the chair of the Measure You Community Advisory Committee for four terms. Um, and so I just want to first and foremost welcome all of the new members to the committee. We had hoped that there was going to be an opportunity to do this in January when several of you had been appointed. And unfortunately, that was not the case. Um, however, I just wanted to offer my um, congratulations in advance to whomever assumes the role of chair and vice chair. And also just wanted to say that um, uh, vice chair Kim Williams, who served as, as the vice chair for four years as well, and I are still here available to support you and ease the transition as best we can. We had hoped to have at least one meeting with some of you so that we would be able to um, do a warm handoff. Uh, so I, we just wanted you to know that we are available um, and willing to share all of the materials and resources and lessons learned um, that we had over the four years starting up this committee and really wanting to wish you very well as you move into your new roles. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Uh, I have no more speakers online with their hand raised. Are there any commissioners who wish to speak on this item? Um, our first speaker is member Riviera. Thank you. I have a question for Ms. Cuppy. And I hope I'm asking the question at the right time. I'm kind of new at this. So if we don't vote or we don't come to an agreement for a chairperson or a vice chairperson tonight, do we have to vote and have someone there assigned tonight? Or can we hold it off for another meeting? Um, so you could. Um, this is not typically a time-sensitive matter. Um, right now you have no chair or vice chair, so um, Mr. Bredberg is serving in that role for you. Um, I'm sure he would be fine doing that another time. Um, since you are all new commissioners, um, if you did choose to get to know each other better, it could be continued if, if need be. Thank you. Our next speaker is Member Sala. Thank you. Um, while I can appreciate that we want to give an opportunity for the new members to get to know each other and decide on a chair or, um, and co-chair, I would argue that um, timeliness of the essence that we have chair and a co-chair and have that leadership for our commission because we're, we're pushing up against the budget cycle and there are several issues that are um, in front of us that, that we need leadership. So I would like to um, recommend for chair is Marge Dickinson. And the reason being is that she is along with I think um, member Kodo, Odo Kent, uh, one of the lar longest standing members of Measure U, They've, they started from the very beginning. They worked through all the challenges. They know where the landmines are. They know where the successes are and, and how to navigate, um, you know, working on this commission, working with the city council. 
and then also adhering to the will of the people who voted for that half a cent to go to Measure U. So I would, I would um, really like to nominate Marge Dickinson and, and hope that you all join me in supporting her. Our next speaker is Member Riviera. So are we gonna have a discussion after people are nominated? Um, you can continue to have the discussion now. Okay, so we have six old timers and we have six new people. And the six new people I think should know who's going to run. Either have a bio be sent to you or to, I should say, bio be sent to Ash and then share it with the new people so you get to know who we are rather than us just saying we're going to go ahead and nominate. I think it's, a, I think it's important for the new people to know us. And if I do nominate, I would like to nominate Duke for chair. That's it. Thank you. Um, I do appreciate um, Member Riera's um, comments. Um, she's a leader. I definitely um, trust her judgment. I trust her leadership. Um, but I do believe um, members of my community, District 7, they want us to move forward and get the business handle of the city. So with that, um, I support um, Ms. Dickinson for our chair. And I want to make a motion, uh, nomination for Duke Cooney for vice chair. Um, he is a new member. However, he does understand the city and her processes and systems in place. And I think it will be a nice transition if he chooses to stay here um, when some of the season members step down. So my nomination is for Duke Cooney for vice chair. Thanks. Um, I'm a new member. Hello, committee members. Nice <laughs> to meet you all. I'll just, you know, I don't um, other than Teresa, I'm not sure I've met anyone before, and so I'll just I'll be abstaining on the vote. I don't mean any offense by that. I just don't know anyone. If we did wait and had a chance to get bios, I think that would be helpful for me. Um, but I just don't know how I could how I'd be able to uh, rec nominate someone or vote for someone today. So um, just wanted to share my reasoning. Next speaker, either Member Bird or Nahas. I agree with Member Riviera that we should get a bio because we can't vote if we don't know anything about any of the members. Member Wolf? Yeah, I kind of just want to reiterate what Commissioner Macy has said. Um, I mean, if, if, some, if only one person had nominated today, I would have just went with that. But now that there's a contest, I don't feel comfortable interceding in the race one way or the other. Um, and I'd just like to take a little more time to get to know everybody a little bit better and maybe read bios, possibly. So, respectfully, let's ask um, our two um, 
commissioners if they are interested in the position and if one bows out then there'll be a one person race and then we can proceed forward i mean with respect to, to my fellow commissioners yeah i would just like to say um <clears throat> I completely understand the concerns with the new members because you haven't had a chance to meet us. Some of us haven't even made introductions with each other. Um, and you know, it is just part of the process. It's our first meeting back. Um, generally, you nominate a chair and vice chair. Um, I'm open either way. Uh, I would support uh, member Dickinson for chair uh, and myself for vice chair. Um, but I'm also happy to get to know everyone and then you know, see if there's anyone from your group who might be interested in you know, assuming that position. Um, I will say that myself and member Dickinson have had conversations with our outgoing chair, Flo, um, who held the reins for four years and really uh, breathed, breathed life into our committee, gave us uh, and worked with us to get participatory budgeting um, and other key goals. Uh, so we're definitely rooted in continuing the work that we've been doing, um, open to changing and modifying and improving what our commission does um, and the recommendations that we make. Um, but yeah, so I, I am interested in being vice chair. Um, I think member Dickinson really understands the history of the commission, can speak to everything from the inception to what we did last year. So I really appreciate that. Um, and, and yeah, I, I think this is one of the stronger commissions in my opinion, and, and I hope that we can continue to have a really cohesive energy because that's what I walked into last year when I joined the commission is a really great bond and a really um, cohesive commission when it came to standing with each other. Thank you, um, uh, Member Cooney, thank you for the very kind words. Um, those of you who are new members um, and, and our um, colleague, uh, Commissioner, uh, Member Riviera, I really um, honor the point of view that you're, uh, you're articulating because it is brand new. Um, and, and, and the exciting thing about being brand new is that we'll have new voices and new questions and, and new points of view um, that we haven't had in the past. However, one of my big concerns is that we have some jobs that we absolutely have to do. We have to weigh in with recommendations, at least I believe, we have to weigh in with recommendations on the budget. We've already lost um, two months um, with the uh, original cancellation of our January meeting, and we'll lose another month if we don't have the capacity to start getting the information in from um, staff about what the budget looks like and begin to um, figure out together what the questions are that you all have, how we've answered some of those questions in the past, um, how what some of the new answers might be, um, and I, I'm just concerned that we don't delay taking, being able to take action another month. Um, I'm, I'm willing and would be honored to serve as chair. I think I do bring um, some of the wisdom of having been around. I think um, a member Cooney brings the wisdom of, of being a little, a little familiar but new and that we can, um, you know, at the end of this year, or at the middle of this year, if, you, if that's what the majority wants, um, we can determine a succession plan 
for the committee going forward that doesn't put us in this awkward position that we are here, we have this year where we had two great, great leaders, um, but they were in the same class, and, and we lost both of them at once. Um, and so I'm hoping that what we can do is, is make this transition um, with, with the two of us, if that's how, what the uh, body decides, but make this transition in a way that not only deals with um, being able to move forward on our job now, but also position the future of uh, this Measure U committee so that we have more smooth transitions in the future. Member Riviera. So what is the timeline for this budget that we're talking about? Do you happen to know? I will uh, go to Ash or yep. Mr. So for that. The fiscal year 23-24 budget is anticipated to be published to the public in May of this year. And it will go into effect on July 1st. So basically between May and um, July 1st, it will be developed and discussed. So again, I'm still kind of concerned that we have half of the group that is new, and I think for me, I remember when I came on board, not knowing the people. I wish I would have known a little bit about the individuals. So um, I still, since we still have time, I do understand the concern that both um, Maribel and um, Marjorie have spoke of. But I really believe that we should give the opportunity to the new staff members or the new members to get to know who's actually running. Thank you. Have either member Otto Kentz or Diaz speaking next. Uh, hi, committee members. My name is Abram Diaz, and I'm really glad to be meeting with you all today. Um, I'll say on my end, I've really appreciated the discussion so far, and I certainly share some thoughts about it. It'd be great to get to know each other a little bit more. I do, however, share the concern that I'd like to start with the work urgently. I think there's a lot of work to be done ahead of us, um, and I have done some research on your bios to try and get to know folks beforehand. And it seems to me there's a bit of a natural shaping here to perhaps have uh, Member Dickinson as chair and Member Cooney as vice chair. And so I would be interested in going in that direction if other folks are also interested. And I don't believe there's been a second yet for Member Gores Jr.'s motion. If so, I would be happy to second that motion. Um, I'm comfortable with that uh, movement. And if other folks are as well, that'd be great. If not, happy, of course, to respect the will of the group. Yes, and respectfully, and I, 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 I agree that it would be ideal if we all got to know each other, but it isn't going to happen in one month to the next. Getting to know someone takes, it'll take several months. When I first joined Measure U, I, it, it took me, I knew some people here because of my work in the community, but mostly I didn't, and it took me many months to really get to know, actually I would say almost a year, to really get to know each um, commissioner member. Um, so I don't know that it's going to make a difference one month to the other. I also want to say that each of us were appointed for a reason. We were vetted. Our resumes were reviewed. 
and there was a process for our selection. It wasn't like I just came off the street and said, I want to be on Measure U. Um, so, so everyone that's sitting here is vetted, has um, expertise, and is a leader in the community. And I, I, if, if I was new, I would trust that process and, and, um, and believe in that process, that vetting that already happened by whoever you were appointed by. Do I have any other commissioner comments? Does not appear I do. So, oh, yes. Oh, I have a few come in. All right. Uh, Member Wolf. Um, in light of it, if, if we can come in here, like, so who should be a chair and a vice chair and just kind of have like a, you know, agreement. I mean, I'm happy to support that. If it helps move the process along and helps us get the work done faster. Member Masias? Can, I don't, I'm not sure where to direct the question, but it was expressed that we need a chair right away because of the budget. So what would the chair be doing between now and the next meeting that, um, that we need? The reasoning for, for getting a chair right away, what, is the, what would the chair be doing? Can somebody help me? Apology for being new. I'll move on to Sorry, I can just quickly answer. I mean, there's sort of a technical answer to it, but really the biggest one is helping to set the meetings agendas for the for future meetings. So uh, staff works with the chair um, to figure out based on various uh, committee member requests, which items should be sort of teed up for the next meeting and sort of the future sequencing of those uh, agenda items. Member Pashal. Oh, I think that's uh, my seatmate's uh, hand. Oh, mm -hmm. oh, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> sorry. Oh, my hand is raised twice now. Oh, <laughs> on each side. That's the advantage of sitting in the middle. Um, so, uh, I, uh, it, are we meeting monthly? Then is our, so we will be meeting monthly now. Okay, um, because uh, the the uh, comment that Member Dixon raised about this this you know, this void that we had in meetings, I think, um, did disrupt just some of the connection and momentum. And um, I, uh, anyway, it was something to, to think about. I uh, would really support Member Dickinson being the chair. Uh, what I know just in the time that I've served is that um, working with um, the city staff and ASH to set the agenda really helps formalize kind of a path forward and keep momentum and not forget the kinds of things that were discussed. We are on a pretty short time frame to have a cohesive voice around making recommendations for the city budget. Um, and so I think that that continuity and, um, uh, you know, of, of contact and, and recognizing the Brown Act and what we can and can't do outside of those meetings, it's really helpful to have a very knowledgeable chair. 
Um, my knowledge of Member Dickinson is that she's served on a number of committees, and I know that some of that is changing this year, the nature of the committees and how we can meet. Um, but uh, she's been uh, exhibited just a lot of leadership in areas that she served on, and I think she would really um, help uh, guide and shape and really include everybody's voices and has understanding of our history, but also kind of um, where we are, I think, in the progression of the Measure U committee work. Next, I have Member Gorris. So I have a quick technical question um, before we go to any vote. Uh, I guess it, the question can go to either Ash or Mr. Wither. Um, so we, I made a motion for a vice chair. Someone else, another member, made a motion for um, a chair. Um, can we blanket one motion and together and in one motion, have someone second it and vote on that? Parse that back together, but if we, just to keep order, we want to have the set vote separate so people might have different ideas. Great, thank you. So, with that, um, I would like to call the question um, the vote for a chair. Do I have two more speakers? Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Uh, Member Dickinson. Thank you. Um, thank you, um, Member Otto Kent, for those, those um, gracious words. I appreciate it. And I was going to speak um, a bit to the question about what would you do um, in this, this time period. And, I and, and thank you, Ash, because you, you picked up on sort of what I was thinking. Uh, but I would, we need somebody who can work with the staff between now and probably two weeks from now to get the agenda materials together. And so I would be asking, I would be asking to start with for um, the, the most recent, the best budget materials we could have um, to begin reviewing the preliminary stuff. Um, we have some other discussion items down our agenda, but we would need to know um, what we need, whether we need to act on participatory budgeting, um, because I know we've got some voting going on right now on that. Um, we also have an item on focus groups related to um, a city audit that was done some time ago that we think is important um, that we may need to act on. And, and again, and, and then whatever else we discuss tonight, because you're, you're going to have questions about things you want to know more about. What did we, what did we do on, on recommendations in past years? You, you know, you, you might want to see that material. So, so we need to, we need to, there are certain things I know we need to do, but there are certain things that may come up tonight that we need to have agendized. And we need to, we need to figure out how to get them agendized. Um, and, um, you know, notwithstanding the, the great work that, that Jacob is doing, um, managing the meeting, we need to manage our meeting. Um, and we need to hear from everyone about next steps. And if, even if they're not big, huge steps, as a group, we need to take the next baby steps towards continuing the work that, that the council asked us to do. With that, I have uh, 
no more speakers who have requested to speak. I have a motion from, uh, I'll first move to the vote for chair. Uh, I have a motion from member uh, Sala and a second from member Goris uh, uh, to elect uh, Marjorie Dickinson as chair for uh, calendar year 2023. I also have an alternative motion from member Riviera um, um, to elect uh, Duke Cooney as chair. However, there is no second on that motion. Um, so if I have no second on that motion, I will move to uh, the roll call votes on uh, Marjorie Dickinson as chair. Member Byrd. Can you turn your microphone on, please? Abstain. Member Cooney? Yes. Member Diaz? Yes. Member Dickinson? Yes. Member Goris? Yes. Member Macias? Abstain. Member Nahas? Yes. Member Odo Kent? Member Pasal? Yes. Member Riviera? How long do I have to think about it? <laughs> yes. Member Sala? Yes. Member Wolf? Yes. And Member Wright is absent. Thank you, the motion passes uh, for Marjorie Dickinson as chair of the Measure U uh, Community Advisory Committee for calendar year uh, 2023. Congratulations. Message to All right. Fantastic. Madam Chair. Oh, Would you like to take over the chair? <laughs> well, I think I said something about not wasting time, but it wasn't, wasn't quite clear. I'll pick my stuff up. Now we'll move on to the vote for. Uh, we'll move on to the vote for vice chair um, for calendar year 2023. I have a motion from Member uh, Goris and a second from Member Diaz to elect Duke Cooney as the vice chair for calendar year 2023. Uh, so I'll now do the roll call vote. Member Bird. Yes. Member Cooney? Yes. Member Diaz? Yes. Member Dickinson? Yes. Or Chair Dickinson, rather. Uh, Member Gores? Yes. Member Macias? Uh, abstain. Member Nahas? Yes. Member Otto Kent? Yes. Member Pascal? Yes. Member Riviera? Yes. Member Sala? Yes. Member Wolf? Yes. And Member Wright is absent. 
Thank you. The motion passes uh, for Duke Cooney as vice chair for the calendar year 2023. Now move on to our. Oh. Thank you. Thank you. A, um, a couple of words of thanks for your your trust. Thanks for the good, important discussion, um, and that in addition to working with staff. Um, on the agenda for our next meeting, one of the things I really will want to do is try to meet with each of you one-on-one -on -one, um, between now and then. That's that's a little ambitious because I know people have lives, but um, I'll, I'll start getting in touch with you all tomorrow and see how we can work that out and with, with Duke if that works for, for him. So thank you. I, I truly appreciate the trust and I will... Um, I will treasure it and, and honor it and, and treasure and honor um, the work that you're going to do with all of us. Thank you. So we'll now move on to our next discussion item, uh, item number four, Council Rules, Rules of Procedure Review. Uh, do we have a staff report on this item? Yes, thank you. Um, good evening. I'm Mindy Cuppy, your city clerk. And in November of 2022, the City Council updated the Council Rules of Procedure. Since these rules apply to City Boards, Commissions, and Committees and their members, I would like to provide a brief update on these rules. So as we continue to uplift Commissions to the same expectations, standards, and processes as the City Council, I will continue to make you aware of any updates to any rules that pertain to your service as a Commissioner. This update should not replace reading the rules, which are part of your agenda package. So the council rules of procedure govern all city meetings, city council, city council standing committees, city boards, commissions, and committees. These rules are intended to transparently communicate clear and consistent rules of procedure and decorum such that council members, commissioners, and members of the public understand procedures so they can effectively engage in the city's inclusive decision-making process. So the council rules of procedure cover duties of members, recognizing that the stewardship of the public interest is of primary concern and working for the common good of the people of Sacramento, conduct of members, which means puts constituents first, treat each other, the public and staff with dignity, courtesy and respect, conduct of the public to listen courteously and attentively to public comment, but make no promises to the public on behalf of your advisory body. The conduct of council with boards and commissions. This states that council members cannot participate in your meetings with the purpose of influencing the outcome of your meeting. Meeting agenda states the order of each agenda so the public knows how to participate. And talks about conduct of meetings to quorum the chambers and how the public can participate, including continuing to offer virtual access by the public. So the council rules of procedure, some updates of note. Um, includes how a member of the public may participate in a, me in a meeting. Um, and again, it says states that they can participate via a teleconferencing platform and will continue to offer that service. Adds language that prior to an agenda item being brought to the city council, it should be brought to any relevant city board, committee, or commission. And the staff report should can include that city board, commission, or committee recommendation. Clarifies the order of agendas and public hearings. Again, consistency across legislative bodies so members of the public now know how to participate. Added that the continuation of a meeting past 9.30 p.m. requires a vote, a majority vote of the members present. 
um, added that the purposes of the PE, P and PE committee, that's personnel and public employees committee, that it reviews advisory body annual reports and recommendations prior them to being submitted to the city council. It updated chapter 17 regarding city advisory body vacancies and appointments to be consistent with the Sacramento City Code, section 2.40. Um, added a provision that all city advisory bodies should maintain a log of future agenda items. I believe you do that. This is consistent with city council and outlined a standard and consistent process for city advisories to annually report to the city council. Okay, so my update will focus mainly on chapter 17, which is um, for council established boards, commissions, and committees. So vacancies is not a new process, um, but this articulates how vacancies appointments are made to city established boards, commissions, and committees. So chapter 17, um, request for future agenda items. I mentioned this, and I think this is a process you already do. Um, it helps staff to um, make sure that they're following up on any recommendations or requests from the commission. So advisory body reports. So we have a um, new PNPE chair um, as of January, um, and I'll be working with her on bringing back commission recommendations and reports. So our PNPE committee tomorrow is actually deliberating on what this process is going to look like, and I'll be reaching out to your staff member to make sure that they're aware how that process will work and how your recommendations and annual reports will be move, moving forward to the city council. So thank you for your time this evening, and I'm available for any questions. We'll now move to public comments. Uh, I have no speaker slips from those in chambers, and I have one speaker online with their hand raised. Um, call in user two, I'll now allow you to speak. Yes, my name is Lambert Davis, and I am a tremendous uh, supporter of Measure U. I went to many meetings about Measure U, and my family owns a cheesecake business, and that's the reason I went to study what is Measure U about. I, I felt like we got clarity from Mayor Steinberg as I went to many meetings, and then I encountered Minty. Uh, in terms of her being in the chamber during the pandemic. So if you really, I'm talking to you new members, if you really want to get clarity on the rules and procedures of any commission or city hall in general, that's the person to seek because I consider her the integrity of city hall. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Uh, I have no more speakers online with their hand raised. I will now move to um, Commissioner Comment. Our first speaker is uh, Member Peshaw. Um, uh, my question is for the, the city clerk. And first, um, let me align myself with the comments of the caller who thanked you for your service during the pandemic. <laughs> um, uh, question is regarding the update to the reporting um, procedure that I believe is coming before the um, personal and public committee, public employees committee um, soon. As I understood that item, it was saying that um, when this commission makes a report or another commission, um, the and then it goes to the P and PE committee, 
that committee can send it back for review or for updating by this uh, body. It can send it on to the council or the committee can actually amend the report and send it on to the council. I was just worried, wondering about how that last option would work. Would it be clear to the council what was the original recommendation of this um, committee versus what was amended in by the Personal and Public Employees Committee? Uh, that's a great question. So um, this item is coming before the PNPE committee tomorrow. So I can't um, assume that they're going to uh, accept the recommendation as proposed. Um, they could propose a completely different um, way to move reports forward. So definitely after tomorrow, I'll be able to really articulate and report on what the process is. But the way I see it um, is that the PNPE committee um, could ask for further information, um, could ask one of the first commissions to report to PNPE is the police commission. And so they have um, on the agenda tomorrow, PNPE is also their work plan for 2023, and then some recommendations from 2022. So um, the PNPE committee could move the whole package forward. Um, it could ask for, um, there's uh, quite a few recommendations. They could ask for staff input on those recommendations. Um, they could ask the attorney, they could ask um, our HR department, you know, is this something that needs to be negotiated um, by labor? So there's a lot of questions that um, PNP is going to be the body that really works those out with you and then forwards it to the city council for their approval. So I guess my, uh, just could I follow up on that? Um, I guess it's not a, a decision point for this committee, but I think it would be concerning if the P and PE committee were able to actually like modify a report that our committee had its name on without, you know, and represent it as if that was our work. I guess that that's the kind of the concern I'm flagging and I'm not sure if it's addressed in the, what the actual recommendation is. To the I would expect that the original report would follow so the PNPE committee report to the city council would say this was the original report and this is our recommendation. Okay, I would expect you. that. Thank you for that clarification. <laughs> Member Masias. Um, my question is also for the clerk. Hi. Um, sorry, the part about agenda went kind of fast for me. So for requesting future agenda items, do we have to do that during the meeting or we can do that in between meetings? So you would do that at the very end of the meeting. There's a section on every agenda, which is commissioner comments, ideas, and questions. And that would be the appropriate time to ask staff to either follow up um, on a question or if you had a request for a future agenda item. So it should be done at an open and public meeting. Okay, so if it occurs to me the next day, it's, it's too late, we have to wait a month? You typically should wait until it's an open and public meeting so that all of your colleagues um, hear the same request. Um, what if I sent it to the chair who's gonna be working on the agenda in between? Could she work on getting something? The most appropriate place would be to do it under commissioner comments, ideas, and questions. Okay, thank um, you. And, and this, this is a process that follows the city council process. Thank you. I too have a question for the, the clerk. Um, we're in this transition from uh, back to back to the four times uh, we're meeting in person, and I'm I'm really delighted that the public is able to be here in person or online. I just want to clarify whether commissioners have the option to be online 
uh, for one of our formal meetings or not. Unfortunately, the Brown Act does not allow you to participate remotely. There are certain provisions that could, and we do um, for city council members in extreme situations, we do allow that. So basically the Brown Act says that if you were to participate remotely, um, and in few circumstances we allow council members, for instance, um, if they were traveling for business reasons and were, would not be in town, they could participate remotely. The provisions are that I need to post that agenda at that remote location, and members of the public need to be allowed to participate participate at that remote location and it needs to be accessible to the public. So um, unfortunately we have 26 boards, commissions and committees and about 300 commissioners so that wouldn't be something that we could accommodate for our commissions. Thank you. Um, I have uh, no more speakers in the queue on this item. So let's move on. Thank you, Mindy. Uh, this item is received and file, so uh, uh, no vote needs to be taken there. Uh, we'll now move on to item five, uh, confirmation of Measure U Community Advisory Committee Subcommittee requests. Uh, is there a staff report on this item? Good evening, I'm Mindy Cuppy, your city clerk. You're going to get tired of seeing me, but this is my last presentation. Um, so this is coming before you. These were some requests to establish subcommittees and um, to move them forward to the PNPE committee. Um, I felt obligated to bring it back to this commission. As you know, um, most of you are brand new. Um, and so I really wanna open it up um, to discussion from this group. If you want to move this forward as is, or if you'd like me to bring this back to this committee for discussion um, to either modify, append, add to it, um, and then move that forward to the PNP committee as your work plan for the upcoming year. So I will turn it over to the chair to facilitate that conversation. Um, and really, um, as the recommendation states, um, you could pass a motion to um, move this forward as stands or you could modify that or you could ask me to bring it back at a future agenda so that we could put some um, data behind it so you can have a rich conversation. Thank you, Mindy. Uh, we'll first move to public comments. Uh, I have no speaker slips from those in chambers and I have one member of the public with their hand raised online, uh, Ms. Flo Kofer. Uh, I'll now you allow you to speak. Good evening again. Um, Flo Kofer calling in uh, just to provide you with some context about this item. So um, this item was approved by the committee last year. Um, and unfortunately, we ended up in a holding pattern. So right now you don't have any ad hocs and you also don't have any subcommittees. So I'm really hoping um, that the committee will decide, first of all, to make some amendments if the times listed don't work. Um, I was hoping you know, that this item would be uh, later in the agenda so that you all could populate some of your, um, could think about who's gonna be on some of the subcommittees and maybe uh, adjust the request for meeting times. Those were um, populated um, in hopes that we would have those settled um, before the end of the year. And so with so many new members on the committee, they may not work for you. So I just wanna flag that as something that you may want to amend before you take a formal vote on this item. 
Um, additionally, um, you know, it may be worth the advocacy of this uh, committee to consider whether or not this actually works for you. A lot of the work that we did in the ad hocs was really about um, drafting legislation uh, or drafting proposals, I should say, um, something that we really don't need staff to be involved in. Um, it, it came up a lot during our conversation. We pushed back with many of the other boards, committees, and commissions on the fact that we don't have like staff who do our work in the way that the council does. Um, and even, even the League of Women Voters pushed back on whether or not this was even necessary. So I just want to flag that as important context for you as you move forward, that this is going to be incredibly burdensome because it's going to mean that all of your meetings are going to have to operate like this one. And usually we would just huddle up and start to draft things that would then come back here for approval anyway. Um, so, but the big thing to flag is that you may need to consider adjusting the times that are listed in the proposal and anything else that meets the needs of this new group um, that didn't exist in the, in the previous body that composed it. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. I have no more members of the public uh, with their hands raised online. Uh, we'll now move to commissioner comments. Uh, Member Cooney. Yeah, I have a question uh, for the clerk. Uh, I'm good. My question is, can we move the proposal without meeting times, or do we have to have that settled before we can pass this to PP&E? Um, I believe you can stir, um, strike the meeting schedule. Um, it will also depend on staff availability, chamber availability, and so forth. Okay, thank you. Um, and I think I, I would uh, be in favor of of the committees as they stand, but maybe striking the times until we have a chance to figure out what folks' interests are, um, where they wanna spend their time on this commission, um, and then work out the timing, obviously, with, with staff as well later on. But I think getting it in now puts us in queue, and there's, like, uh, like the clerk mentioned, 300 other commissioners who are also vying for times and space if they want subcommittees as well. And I assume most commissions will. Um, so I'd be in favor of, of moving this today and then figuring out the timing later. Member Gores. So if that was um, a motion by a vice chair, I will second that um, with the distinction that we are striking the, the schedule. Member Wolf. <clears throat> um, so I, I watched a piece of a meeting back from September um, in the city attorney. Uh, you are the city attorney, correct? Sorry, sorry, sir. I'm not the top dog, but I am. A, I'm in the city attorney's office. <laughs> Today, I'm the city attorney. Um, and I remember you briefly mentioned something about um, we could still have like meetings amongst ourselves and an outside of the purview of the public kind of scenario, but as long as we don't have quorum, is that correct? No, that's not correct. You can't. You, the the this body cannot create without council approval uh, subcommittees to perform work of the body. Um, I think that the comment that got, got taken out of context is if, and I think the fox and goose reference is hopefully going to die someday. But the, it was that if, if two members happen to run into each other or they're having breakfast together and they discuss they discuss the business of the body while they're having breakfast at Fox and Goose, that's not a Brown Act violation. It's when we create. It's when the body creates a subcommittee uh -huh. or creates a uh, ad hoc. Yeah, and this is all referencing back to changes that were made on the city level around committees and ad hocs, et cetera, so. And there are Brown Act problems, and then the, the city code also prevents the creation of the ad hocs, not okay. the Brown Act necessarily. Thank you for the context. Member Masias. 
Thank you. Is so are the the members are they part of this motion too? Uh, that that's already set or that um, can be changed. I mean, I'm, maybe I'm misreading, but doesn't it include the membership of these committees? Or maybe that's the ad hoc committees. How would this, who could, who of us could join these meetings? Uh, my understanding is the actual membership of these subcommittees is not specified in the proposal. Um, it presumably a subsequent meeting or perhaps an appointment of the chair, um, the uh, membership would, would be determined at a later date. I see. I think I'm just reading the former ad hoc subcommittee members. Got it. Thank you. Chair, you can. <laughs> I can jump in. Um, I, I, and I actually have a question that maybe could have waited in line, but if PP&E gets this proposal at their next meeting, I assume it would not be tomorrow's meeting, but if there's next meeting, and approved it, would they then come back to us to appoint members of the subcommittees? So should PNPE approve um, the proposal as, as stands, it would then go to the city council for their approval, and then you know concurrently it could come back to your committee um, for assignments. And would anyone have to approve those assignments or once it went through all that process and it came back here? That would not require council approval. Member Sala. Yeah, so be presented tomorrow for approval. Not tomorrow, it would go on a future agenda for PNPE. Okay, so until it gets approved, there's no work that can be done. Not at the subcommittee level, correct? Not at the subcommittee level, okay. Um, um, so, and the reason I ask is because I'm going to be presenting in uh, the proposal for focus groups. So if I, and, and to be able to do that, it will definitely need subcommittee work because it's a lot, but it's not the three that are being recommended. I would be able to go back and ask for an additional, or if not me, the, the committee would be able to go back and ask for an additional subcommittee. That's correct. You could ask for an additional subcommittee should you need um, one. Um, and I don't see that if these three are moving forward to PNPE and, and say at your next meeting you want another subcommittee requested, we could then move that forward as, as soon as possible. Um, and as Ms. Mr. Witter um, said, if you're having breakfast with you know two members, less than a quorum, um, you can discuss items and you could still work with you know one of your colleagues if you wanted to still have conversations about that. Around... Um whatever issue we we want to discuss as long as it's it's not a quorum and it's not um, directed by the committee correct I have oh, uh, member Riviera I have a question for you Mindy to make it official what's a quorum how many when we need quorum? We just looked this up, didn't we, Brett? Um, I want to say eight. It's eight. Yep. Eight? Thank you, Mr. Bradberg. Thank you. 
I have no more uh, members with their hands raised. Um, so I have a motion by Vice Chair Cooney and uh, second by Member Gorris. Um, uh, for this motion uh, as uh, um, as amended in um, both um, in uh, 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 Mr. Cooney's motion. Uh, so I'll now do the roll call vote. Uh, Member Bird. Yes. Member Cooney, or yes. Vice Chair Cooney, rather. My Thank apologies. you. Yes. Uh, Member Diaz. Yes. Chair Dickinson. Yes. Member Gorris. Yes. Member Masias. The amendment was just to strike the times. Okay, yes. Member Nahas. Yes. Member Odo Kent. Yes. Member Pashal. Yes. Member Riviera. Yes. Member Sala. Yes. Member Wolf. Yes. Member Wright is absent. Thank you all. The motion passes. We'll now move on to the next discussion item, uh, item number six, findings and recommendations of the participatory budgeting pilot program evaluation report. Uh, do we have staff presentation? Yes, we do. Um, good evening, members. Ash Ragani, Special Projects Manager in the City Manager's Office. Um, in last year's budget, the City Council approved a million dollars to be used for participatory budgeting. Um, this was a pilot program in which residents directly decided how to spend $1 million in Measure U funds. This uh, came after the Measure U committee recommended that the city implement this. And so we chose to sort of implement it as a pilot program to see how it worked. Um, in addition to the million dollars, there was a separate pot of funding that was set aside for the administrative costs. And so a big portion of that was to hire a consultant to sort of facilitate the process to help the city really learn how participatory budgeting works. And then we also hired a uh, program evaluation consultant to really give an independent perspective and analysis of how, whether or not the pilot program set out uh, to meet its goals. And so with us tonight, we are joined by Ellen Kimball and Ari Eisenstadt with Third Plateau. Um, they're actually in the Zoom, and so I'm gonna pass it off to them. They um, did some really great work, um, including the, the report that is in your, in your um, agenda, and so they're gonna present their findings uh, based on their research. So I will hand it off to Third Plateau. Thanks, Ash. Uh, we are going to share screen with our presentation. We can see you. Okay, great. Um, so let me first give an overview of what we'll talk about today. Um, so we plan to present for about 10 minutes and take questions at the end. Um, Ari, if you want to go to the next slide. Um, we'll start our presentation by reorienting the group to the phases of the participatory budgeting pilot, introducing our theory of change, sharing an overview of the methodology of our evaluation, as well as our, the results that we found um, and the cross-cutting challenges that we identified. And finally, we'll share our conclusions and recommendations. Um, Ash introduced us already, but we uh, represent Third Plateau. 
a Sacramento-based social impact consulting firm. Um, in addition to projects related to research and evaluation, we also support the social sector through strategic planning and philanthropic advising and more. Um, Third Plateau was hired by the Participatory Budgeting Ad Hoc Committee to help the city learn what did and did not work and how the PB pilot might be improved in future iterations. So that is what our evaluation um, aimed to do. Uh, I'm joined uh, by my colleague Ari Eisenstadt, who will share a little bit later. Um, and uh, we were the two staff members um, who worked on this evaluation. Um, as a refresher, the, for those who were on the committee last year, and, and perhaps this is new for new folks, um, the PB pilot, participatory budgeting pilot, uh, was made up of five phases. The first uh, was called playbook development. This took place between October of 2021 and February of last year. Um, during this process, the participatory budgeting project, um, which was the implementation partner hired by um, the ad hoc committee, um, uh, facilitated a process in which the ad hoc committee developed a playbook that detailed the rules of the pilot, including selecting two geographic focus areas, as well as defining participant and project eligibility. During the next phase, called outreach and idea collection, um, that started with six community-based organizations, which were called mini grantees, um, reaching out to their networks to raise awareness of the pilot and encourage community members to submit ideas and serve as proposal delegates. Um, mini grantees, the participatory budgeting project, the ad hoc committee, and others also did outreach through email blasts, door knocking, tabling, press conference, um, among other techniques. Community members then submitted ideas that they had for um, projects through both paper and online ballots. Um, during the third phase, proposal development, um, PBP, the implementation partner, guided proposal delegates in organizing and consolidating ideas, deciding which to turn into proposals, and developing um, the proposals for the final ballot. Delegates also made key decisions about ballot design. The fourth phase was the vote, during which many grantees, PBP, city staff, council members, um, and ad hoc committee members encourage residents of the two focus areas to vote, um, and residents of those areas voted on project proposals. The final phase implementation is currently in progress. Um, that will involve the um, city actually uh, implementing the projects that were selected through the vote. Um, at the beginning of our work on this, on this evaluation, we conducted interviews with the ad hoc committee, city staff, city council members, and the mayor to identify key outcomes that these representatives hoped the PB pilot would achieve. Um, using that information, we developed a theory of change for the pilot, a portion of which you see here. The theory of change helps us articulate the outcomes that the process will have if successful. Um, these outcomes fall into three categories, the first being resident engagement with government, the second, government knowledge of residents, and the third, the advancement of equity. Um, in a few moments, we will share the uh, results, um, the outcomes along each of these categories, but want to note that given the short time frame of the evaluation, our evaluation focused on the short-term outcomes that you see in the orange box there. Um, these include participants gaining knowledge of the budgeting process, council members learning about residents' priorities and concerns, and the projects benefiting historically underinvested um, communities. 
With regards to the long-term outcomes that you see at the bottom of the theory of change, we did describe in our full report the limited evidence that we see for those, um, but the evaluation period is too short in order to have conclusive evidence about the long-term impacts. I'll pass it over to Ari now to talk about the methodology of our evaluation. Thanks, Ellen, and hello, everyone. So we used four main methods to evaluate the participatory budgeting process. Those, as you can see on the slide, are observations of the process, surveys, focus groups, and interviews. Across the whole process, we collected quantitative information from almost 800 people, 775 total, and qualitative information from 22 people, both through individual interviews, as well as focus group conversations. You can see on the slide the matching between various methods and the particular outcomes to which they lend themselves. And we observed over 100 hours of design and working sessions across the process. So that's just a little bit about how we actually collected our information. And I'll talk a little bit about the results. On the people side, and really the demographic side, we likely heard from over a thousand people. I say likely because we can't fully know the overlap between the people who submitted ideas to the process or idea submitters and the people who voted or voters. Any of them could have participated in both or individually, but it's likely we heard from over a thousand people as part of the work. Um, participants during both the idea submission and voting stages roughly approximated the geographic focus areas in which the, uh, the participatory budgeting process was conducted along demographic lines. There's a few exceptions to this. Those are noted on the slide. Youth and Hispanic and Latino folks were underrepresented. Asian folks and low-income folks were overrepresented. To note on both of the overrepresentation points, for low-income folks, Overrepresentation is likely a good thing, as they were some of the people the pilot was intentionally designed to target, and so making sure that their voices were especially elevated is a good outcome of the work. And the overrepresentation among the Asian population is notable because one of the mini grantees, Asian Resources Incorporated, did extensive outreach and one-on-one -on -one, uh, one -on -one support with the population, including sitting down with them and helping them fill out ballots and idea submission forms. And it's indicative of the efficacy of that method of outreach and engagement for future iterations of participatory budgeting work or other kinds of public engagement. One demographic that was decidedly overrepresented in the uh, in the pilot was the people for whom trust in government was a high uh, was a high attitude marker. So idea submitters and voters both expressed greater confidence in Sacramento's government as compared to residents, as measured in Sacramento's annual national community survey. So I'll go outcome by outcome across the three major short-term outcomes. The first is about resident engagement with government, and in particular, it's whether participants gained knowledge of the budgeting process. So we see clear evidence that this happened among delegates. Proposal delegates demonstrated growing perceived understanding of city budget processes. Even though many came in already familiar with the processes, many more learned greater depth about city allocations and RFP work, as well as regulations around the budget process. We're not sure about the general public. It's possible that this deepened. We weren't tracking as closely about participants who submitted ideas and then voted, as I mentioned earlier. So it's hard to say from beginning to end whether people developed a deeper understanding of city budget process through a single touch point or even two. Um, however, we did hear anecdotal evidence about people learning more about how sacramental budgets work, generating excitement and interest in the process, and getting participants to submit more meaningful ideas over time, thanks to outreach and engagement from mini grantees, from PVP, and from the ad hoc committee. 
The second, about government knowledge of residents, and in particular, about city council members learning about residential priorities and concerns. We rate this as suggestive. The process is still underway, so it's difficult to draw meaningful conclusions about the outcome. Various council members actually participated in the process. They raised awareness. They encouraged residents to vote or submit ideas. And so those folks certainly became aware of the top categories of ideas that members of the public submitted. But the publication and the implementation process, which is still ongoing for the winning projects, will further affect the extent to which council members become clear about residential priorities. Lastly, on results, in terms of advancement of equity, the outcome here that we were looking for is whether the projects that were selected benefit historically underinvested communities. We rate the evidence for this as highly suggestive. As a whole, the selected projects largely reflect the will of the focus area communities, each of which was chosen because of its historical underinvestment. Because of that, it's highly likely that the selected projects will benefit those communities. And to that end, this outcome was largely achieved. It's a million dollars in new funding that is going to these communities. Moreover, as I mentioned, participants largely demographically reflected their communities, which avoids a typical equity concern where democratic processes actually end up overly privileging uh, particular groups. Just for note, I, the themes from these winning ideas were issues like unhoused folks, work, workforce development, youth services, beautification, and development of focus area neighborhoods. We will note as a caveat and as was noted by many delegates during the proposal development process, the ultimate outcome for communities is gonna be determined really through the funding and the implementation process of the project as ongoing. And I'll pass it back over to Ellen to talk through some of our cross-cutting challenges and conclusions and recommendations. Thanks, sorry. Um, our full report details specific challenges that emerged in each of the first four pilot phases, those that have been completed already. Um, as well as our specific recommendations for each phase. Um, we also detail four challenges that we observed across all of the phases, uh, which we call cross-cutting challenges. The first of these was the lack of rural clarity. Throughout the pilot, there was disagreement between PBP, um, again, that's the implementation partner, the ad hoc committee, and the city regarding the extent to which each party should take ownership of the process and drive it forward. There was also a lack of clarity during the proposal development phase in terms of the role of proposal delegates versus city staff um, and what each of those players was supposed to do during that phase. The second was unclear facilitation and communication. Throughout both the playbook and proposal development phases, there were numerous instances of unclear facilitation by PBP. This led to an extended playbook development phase and significant confusion during proposal development. It was also unclear who was responsible for managing the concern around conflict of interest with proposal delegates, with both PBP and the city believing the other was responsible for communicating information about this issue. The third cross-cutting challenge was no guidance around existing funding sources and projects. A question that regularly emerged from participants, delegates, and the ad hoc committee was how to handle proposals for projects that might otherwise receive funding from existing city funding streams outside of the PB process. Um, the lack of role clarity between PBP and the ad hoc committee meant that no actor took initiative to resolve these questions. And finally, unrealistic timelines. Um, from the start, the process fell behind its initial projected timeline. While the process was initially slated to wrap in May with the vote, um, the timeline was repeatedly extended um, and the final vote eventually occurred in November, 2022, which represented a six month extension. 
This placed a particular burden upon proposal delegates who initially signed up to participate in far fewer sessions than was ultimately required. After reflecting on the results of the pilot, as well as the opportunities to improve the process moving forward, we conclude that should the city decide to pilot participatory budgeting again, there is reason to believe that progress could be made against the desired outcomes if improvements are made to implementation. We'll share a few of our recommendations for that improvement here, um, but a full phase-by-phase -phase list of recommendations can be found in our evaluation. Um, the three high-level recommendations for the city should it decide to pilot PB again are um, as follows. The first, institutionalize the process. The lack of role clarity and poor facilitation throughout the pilot created a vacuum of ownership and decision-making that hobbled the implementation of the process from the start. In the future, Sacramento should imitate other cities that employ PB by taking ownership of the process in order to fully implement it. In particular, we recommend that the city convene a steering committee separate from the Measure U committee to run the process and compose that committee as a mixture of city staff with public engagement experience and community members. This group should have full decision-making power and responsibility for driving forward the PB process. The second recommendation is to create clearer rules and structures. With the benefit of lessons learned through this initial pilot, the PB process can be more clearly designed to ameliorate some of the biggest areas of confusion. In particular, we recommend explicitly clarifying roles, responsibilities, and decision-making power, setting a realistic timeline with sufficient time for high-quality outreach and education of the public, and clearly communicating participant eligibility and rules, um, as well as restrictions um, and conflict of interest as early as possible in the process. Our final recommendation is to scaffold the process for participants. The participatory budgeting process intentionally seeks to engage a diverse group of stakeholders, many of whom have not historically engaged in or been well served by civic processes and city communications. During the pilot, the people leaders most wanted to engage in the process, those who have historically not been engaged or not been well served, um, were the ones who were most lost during its implementation. They were unfamiliar with topics ranging from city budgeting and funding streams to how to use technological tools such as Google Docs. In the future, implementers should further customize the process to make it accessible to all participants. For detailed recommendations by phase, you are welcome to refer to our report um, and we'll take questions now. Thank you for that presentation. Um, I'll now have the chair take over. She wanted to make a, a comment before we move to uh, public comment. I, I just wanted to see if Chair if Member Odo Kent had anything she wanted to add by way of context or reaction to this since she has been the lead on uh, participatory budgeting for the committee for the last four years. No. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you for the presentation, Third Plateau. Um, colleagues, um, I, I know the Third Plateau team participated in all of our committee meetings, and I think you referenced 100 hours, and I think it was well over 100 hours of ad hoc. Ash is also sort of <laughs> totaling up those hours, so appreciate a lot of this was 
done by observation. A lot of it was documenting the, the process and, and how it rolled out. I think together we had to repeatedly remind ourselves that this was a pilot and that we were building the bridge as we were walking it and we had been advocating, this committee had been advocating uh, for participatory budgeting as a concept to bring to our city for well over two years. Um, and then the amount of that allocation, you know, kind of ebbed and flow, and we ended up with the million dollars. So um, I, I, I think the, the report outlines well some of the challenges that we encountered. And um, the recommendations, I think, you know, are, are sound. Just a couple of the things I'd add, um, just, you know, to sort of augment what you've done in the report. The council approved, as Ash had mentioned earlier, an additional $250,000 after the million dollar allocation for participatory budgeting was approved for the implementation partner to provide technical assistance and guidance through the, through the um, pilot process and, of course, for the evaluation. I think for me, a lesson learned was this is a Oakland-based national organization. They're clearly very familiar with the process and the framework of participatory budgeting. Um, but they uh, did, were not familiar with, with the city, uh, were not familiar with the nonprofit structure, if you will, the community-based organizations, the grassroots organizations that are closest to and have deepest relationship with the communities that um, we prioritize. So I think that's something for us to really think about in terms of if there is an external implementation partner hired, uh, how much of that impacts their ability to do their work or how do we sort of frame the relationship um, moving forward. Um, the, one of the things that you called out in, in the report was about helping the ad hoc committee, the Measure U participatory rating budgeting ad hoc committee, as well as the proposal um, delegates understand what are the current city investments already going into these historically underserved and underinvested neighborhoods. Um, our ad hoc committee had spent considerable amount of time combing through data, wanting to align with existing investments in the neighborhoods. We used a lot of um, existing data that the city was already using to prioritize certain neighborhoods. And I think our, that initial approach was very sound. But we had a really difficult time um, really understanding what is already being funded for example, in the north area and south areas that we selected in terms of park investments, in terms of the kinds of things that sort of emerged and bubbled up um, from, from residents. So I'm hoping in the future, you know, we could have a, a better uh, handle on that. Uh, in terms of the, the recommendations and having an external steering committee is one of the things that I, I did learn as as I began to deepen my understanding about how participatory budgeting had been rolled out in other cities. And it's really, for me, one of the benefits of our approach here, right? And it had some limitations. And that is, in other cities, the cities had really invested, made a decision to launch participatory budgeting, highly run by city staff. 
uh, with some community um, engagement and uh, you know guidance, but really run by city staff. This effort was very much run by a vol the volunteer Measure U <laughs> ad hoc committee. It really kind of contributed to some of the lack of clarity about we don't have access to certain city data, we're not city employees, uh, what, is our, what is our role here? And yet, I think it allowed for um, the Measure U committees who were serving on the, the members to, who were serving on the committee to really voice like what we knew and what we felt and our commitment to really focusing on those neighborhoods where this investment could kind of fundamentally um, make, you know, make a difference. Um, so I, you know, I like this recommendation about forming a steering committee. I think that's how it's been done in other cities. And I would hope that in some way the Measure U committee, this committee, we continue to advocate for participatory budgeting. I do think it is a different way of doing business. I do think we had some growing pains and a lot of lessons learned. I think we have set the stage to really be more inclusive, to reach people who, who aren't calling into these meetings or don't feel welcome at these meetings and to really engage and connect in a different way. And before we continue with uh, uh, member discussion and comments, I will move to um, uh, public comment. Uh, I have no uh, speaker slips from those in chambers, and I have three hands raised online. Uh, so I will, our, our first speaker will be Colin User 2. Yes, my name is Lambert Davis, and I'm a native of uh, District 2, specifically Del Paso Heights. And last year I decided I'm going to go to every meeting in District 2. I want to see what happens. So I went to four different meetings at four different locations. It would have been five, but the PBID in District 2, they canceled both. They should not receive a penny for not putting out outreach. And when I finished, I had turned in four applications to become a delegate. That's why I did that, to go four different locations to see what would happen. And miraculously, none of my paperwork was found. And when I mentioned that to this committee, it was a current member on the committee who even asked, I'm not going to mention who he was and is, but he asked Ash Ragani, well, what do we do about Mr. Davis? He, he went to four different meetings. As a matter of fact, we own a cheesecake company, and our cheesecakes were served at the Robertson Community Center and the Robertson Family Community Center. And so for me to listen tonight and hear that a consultant was paid $250,000 and they have the expertise, but they didn't know the city of Sacramento. And then I found out later that you can't be civically engaged. I didn't hear that mentioned tonight in this report. I'll study the report to see, because if that's true, that's a recipe to deceive people, to make them a delegate, and they have no idea what's going on around them. And I will comment later on matters not on the agenda. But I really think that there should be a really big audit on how that money was spent 
through these consultants that are not from Thank you Sacramento. for your comments. Your time is complete. Our next speaker is uh, Barry Boyd. Thank you and good evening. I uh, First, I would like to address calling on and asking for public comment before we have the opportunity to hear the committee members speak to which would maybe quell some of our questions and or stimulate a question from hearing the committee, uh, the committee's dialogue prior uh, in, instead of calling on the uh, public comment. So I believe you're doing a disservice by having us comment prior to hearing the engaged uh, committee members. To that, the report and the language from the report and to those have, that Ms. Um, Otto Kent that had spoke just moments ago is language that is very polite in regards to what went on through the process for um, full um, um, transparency. I was a and are a um, South Area proposal delegate. And it was a lot of state of confusion. And as it has been pointed out, I'm 100% for involving everybody who wants to be involved with the governance of the city in some capacity. The application may have, I don't remember it so long ago, um, asked the questions of your level of engagement and or knowledge and abilities to use technology and so forth. And uh, during these sessions, it was um, quite obvious a lot of folks were not up to what was asked on the application. So there does have to be a better screening process. To the point of having the city be in charge and convene uh, um, a steering committee, absolutely not. It's because of the systemic, racist, socioeconomic oppression of the city, which caused us to have a participatory budgeting pilot program so that we the neighborhoods, the focus areas would in fact have monies brought to us that we are, have not been receiving. Thank I do have a lot more to say, comments. but I see I'm out of time. Thank you for your comments. Your time is complete. Um, our next speaker is Kim Williams. Hello, everyone. Um, wish I could be in chamber with you all this evening. But I just I just want to say that, you know, the reading report, I echo everything that Debbie Debbie said. I uh, former Measure U vice chair, um, also on the steering committee for the participatory budgeting. And um, while there were many, many, many challenges and um, difficulties, what I do want to reiterate is the fact that this was the first time we were ever we were ever able to do a project like this in Sacramento, and the fact that we were able to get over 500 um, ideas that came in from folks, and that we were able to reach some of the communities that have traditionally never been re reached before. Um, yes, we can do it better. Yes, we can do be more meaningful. Yes, we can do more outreach. Time was our definitely our enemy. Um, a lot of lessons were learned, but. I am, you know, I really, really encourage um, the Measure You Commission to really fight for uh, participatory budgeting to to happen again, um, and listen to the uh, the folks who were a part of that committee, uh, those delegates, you know, really hear what they had to say about what needs to improve, and let's put some things in place so that we can make it better, and really continue to give our our residents in Sacramento an opportunity to have a say in how money is spent in their communities. 
Um, I get quite, I get asked even now, you know, is it going to happen again from different organizations and different people who heard about it, but didn't get to participate because it wasn't necessarily in my area. So um, while it was challenging and there were some issues, um, I think the opportunities far exceed that. And I look forward to um, this commission uh, putting forth the effort to have another round and hopefully I'll be able to be involved with you again. Thank you for your comments. Our last speaker is Keon Bliss. Greetings, Measure U committee members. Um, my name is Keon Bliss. I am a uh, community uh, resident who has been advocating for participatory budgeting uh, since uh, as you were both uh, uh, working to approve it as well as uh, involved in some of the outreach efforts uh, to help with informed community members about this. and. Wanted to just say, you know, and second, uh, what previous speakers have said that um, this is a like this is a process that is intended to democratize and and uh, give re uh, everyday community members um, a voice in how public funds are actually spent, uh, at, at being that it is their money, and that this pilot should absolutely continue. Yes, this was a pilot. Uh, with which was originally at, uh, requested at being spent at about $15 million, and it was anticipated to have a much more robust timeline and greater investment, not just in funding from the city, but also in staff time from the city, uh, from city employees to really make successful. And given that this was a pilot, there, like, you know, this is intended uh, to be like to basically flush out a lot of the issues that uh, were encountered and mentioned within this report. Um, and from my like my analysis reading into this, this actually makes a lot of sense that the, uh, what would greatly help is having more robust involvement from city staff members, not that them say, uh, having control and say within the process, because that is ultimately intended for to enfranchise community members who have long like long been historically disenfranchised, but specifically to help navigate the rules and processes uh, that the city currently uses so that member, member, everyday members of the community who are not involved in these sorts of things uh, more regularly can actually be knowledgeable and get like and be informed as they are developing the process out. Um, I would really encourage a more robust discussion and, and really encourage that this process continue on further um, into the next year, hopefully with more money that gets more people to engage. Thank you for your comments. Your time is complete. I have I have no more speakers online with their hand raised. Um, we'll now take uh, member discussion and comments. Um, we have member Nahas. Well, first of all, I was on the um, delegation, and uh, I want to apologize to Ash. Aaron and Ari for being my part of the growing pains um, as uh, uh, member uh, Otto Kent had mentioned, but there were a lot of things that we felt as committee members went wrong and we understand that it was our first year doing it and that they're again growing pains, right? Um, a lot of uh, things that we saw uh, confusion about um, and uh, Mr. Boyd mentioned a few of them uh, within, within his comments, was that um, the applications for us felt very uh, vague. Um, there, 
content. I mean, we had some that said, just give me the money. Um, and there was nothing to be able to come back and figure out what it was. We've had some that had some great ideas, but there were um, questions that we had afterwards. And there was no way to come going back and checking um, because they weren't required to put down an email or contact information. So um, having that ability to follow up on a uh, someone that who has uh, submitted a proposal would, would have been great. Um, as I mentioned, uh, I do believe that the there were so many challenges. Timelines were hard. Uh, I felt that there were times where um, we heard one part of the rules, but the second part didn't come up. And so that brought a lot of frustration, um, which also brought uh, uh, evacuations of our teams. I mean, we started off with, I would say, about 40 delegates at one point, and it went down to maybe half of that. And so I just, and my numbers may be off on that, so don't don't quote me too much on that. But I just remembered that um, it was difficult. And toward the end, it got a little bit um, spicy as far as um, uh, temperaments. Um, and unfortunately, I happen to be one of those. So again, forgive me guys for um, being that growing pain or your growing pain. Um, I do agree with uh, uh, member uh, Otto Kent and also, um, Aaron and Ari, your uh, recommendations to have an audit, uh, ad hoc committee uh, work with this ahead of time. You mentioned that the Oakland group, it, there was a, someone, I think, at Boston, someone from Boston that was part of this as well at the very beginning, or there was a reference to Boston. So we just felt like, as, as, again, as you mentioned, that they didn't understand Sacramento and um, I think some of Sacramento didn't understand what this was about. So more clarification, more advertising, and especially when it came to the ballot part of it, um, going out and getting those votes. Yeah, I know that it was kind of up to us to kind of help uh, get people to go out and vote. I know that uh, in my area, um, I saw a couple emails go out, but nothing uh, strong as far as trying to get our citizens to go out and vote on these measures. So, or on these uh, um, uh, suggestions. So, that's all I got for now. Member Riviera. Thank you. So, I have a couple of questions for you, Ash. So, we had a consultant at the first. Correct. At first, we had a consultant, which was not this consultant at Third Plateau. How much was their contract? Um, their contract ended up being, I believe, 185000 Yes, yes. PBP, the Participatory Budgeting Project. So that contract, did that, those funds come out of or the budget for the? It did not come out of the $1 million that was allocated for the process. There was a separate budget that was set aside. So that was one eighty, and then this contract with the third plateau is 250? No, 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 no. Um, their contract, I believe, was approximately 50,000. I want to get back to you on the exact number. Just okay. Okay. All right, I'm just kind of concerned. But um, Otto Kent, I want to thank you very much for bringing up some of the concerns that we had about this whole process. I appreciate the fact that you did that. So I want to make that clear. So we spent about two hundred and what thirty thousand? Yes. 
that's what I wanted to know. Thank you. Member Sala. First, I, I just need to really acknowledge and thank the ad hoc that did all of this work from the very beginning when um, we had the idea, we went forward to advocate. We did start with, I think it was 10 million, then 5 million, and then the city council approved 1 million. And for $1 million, the amount of work and um, engagement and ideas and everything that was produced as a result is phenomenal for a million dollars. And it was all, like you said, volunteer work. And I know, um, I wasn't part of it, but I know how many hours every week all of you work to get the playbook together to work with the first consult, the consultant. The second consultant we, we agreed and we hired um, to do the analysis, which was a critical piece. Uh, and actually something that we needed in order to justify to the city council why we want to do this again. So thank you so very, very much. Now, I personally, I, I, I observed and gave comments on this entire process. We had several community members from the Garland Northgate that participated. And so I, I got... In, in trying to help them navigate, because they were delegates, and you're right about technology being an issue, complex issues being an issue, um, and I think the recommendations in the report are spot on. I mean, it really, they, were, they did a very thorough job of understanding where some of the challenges um, are, and, and part of it was that there was a, there were some that I would refer to as the usual suspects. They're involved in a lot of things in the community. They're very familiar with jargon the, the city uses, processes, and there were those that this was their first time really getting involved in, in a project like this, and um, they needed more hand-holding than I think the facilitators um, a common, you know, equate or uh, accounted for. So I, I was able to to help them in navigating some of these these issues, whether it was technology or understanding how to how to use the rating system they came up with and what that meant. Um, but that being said, these community members that for the first time got involved, I saw a change in them from being shy, timid, and not understanding and not engaged to at the end of this process, while frustrated, they changed. They were empowered and they and completely changed from not saying things in meetings and in public forums to being articulate and being able to speak up and say, uh, what they feel and feeling confident that they had some sense of what they were saying was um, was valuable. And I think it's this process that changed the individual. So so while I think there should there there you should have a mixture of individuals as delegates that are involved, 
um, I don't want to exclude anybody that doesn't have a good sense of technology or doesn't have a good sense of how uh, city processes happen because there's value in that for the community, for the individual, and ultimately for the, the delegate. So I appreciated that and I witnessed it. And I also feel that um, the the ideas that were generated were um, really, some of them were like, okay, yeah, they're okay, but some of them were really creative and innovative. And it came from the community having a sense that we really need to have this done and we don't think the city's doing it. And I think that's very valuable and would have never happened had we not have a process like this. So, um, and I agree that the timeline, from the very beginning, that was the feedback we gave um, the ad hoc. is like, you can't do this in a meaningful way and, ex and having this kind of timeline. And we pushed it back and maybe it could have been pushed back further, but, but, um, but that's the lesson learned and, and I think it's in the report. But there, the, there was just some great ideas generated by the, the community and I just when we first approached the count some of the council members with this idea the concern was that if you if you go out there and you ask the community to tell the city council how to spend a million dollars that there was going to be some ridiculous outlandish ideas and that is totally not what happened they were very thoughtful they were very precise, and it was really paying attention to what they wanted to see happen in their community with what they were concerned with. So the report, the final analysis of, of this project is very valuable, and I, I really believe that everyone in the community, the delegates, the the city council, the staff who worked on this project and witnessed it unfold, all benefited from this process. And I would say that we need to advocate for it to continue and actually allocating more money. One million dollars was just a little drop. And some of the ideas and the proposals that are being presented and it's being evaluated right now and you know the proposals being selected what is being proposed is not very expensive and it's not going to cost a lot but it's very meaningful in some of the ideas that are being generated and and you'll see them as as they're finalized and and awarded you'll see that it's not a lot of money for for the impact these ideas and these proposals are going to have on our community. Um, so, and, but I do have a question. Um, I, I'm curious to understand why there was overrepresentation of Asian Americans. What happened there? And I don't know if there was an analysis or that, or hasn't been done to figure out what happened. Was it outreach? I, I, I would be curious to see and why there was underrepresentation of youth and Latinos and um, what happened and what we could do um, to make a difference in that area. I also, um, 
you know, just reiterating what the what the what the re analysis concluded was um, the confusion of roles and and the staff being confused as to where do we step in, where don't we step in, because the delegates some it was in the discussions not sure. Are, are we supposed to come up with the budget for these ideas? And that was, um, they don't, they didn't know how to even come up with the numbers, how to figure out, how to quantify an idea in, a, in budgetary ter terms. And I think they were looking for the staff to give more guidance and the staff was trying to be sensitive, not to influence. So I think the recommendation of clarification of roles and, and having staff more involved. And ultimately, I completely agree that this process needs to be institutionalized uh, by um, the city of Sacramento. It's a worthwhile project. And I, it was just from my perspective to see it from beginning to end is very rewarding and exciting um, once the projects are implemented and, 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 and then after a year we can see the impact. It's even gonna be more exciting and that we need to continue to support this and advocate for additional funds beyond a million. Like I would say, go back to the initial request of $10 million. Uh, and we could do, we were, because we were limited in the amount, we were limited in the, in the communities that were selected. And if we had additional resources, we could broaden that and include more neighborhoods and communities. Uh, before we move to the next uh, commissioner comment, would um, Ari or Ellen like to respond to um, uh, member uh, Sala's uh, question? Yes, I'm happy to take that. Thank you for the question, member Sala. So with respect to representation, I can speak to, uh, we have good evidence about the rationale and why for, why representation among Asian people was more high, was was higher. I would say we have a theory about youth underrepresentation. I do not necessarily have a theory about Latino underrepresentation. For Asian folks, this is largely due to the ongoing efforts of one of the many grantees, Asian Resources Incorporated, who went above and beyond to really specifically engage this population, which they already have a focus on. They did a lot of one-to-one -one outreach where they sat down with people and they walked them through how to submit ideas, how to vote, uh, and all the forms they would need to do, the form in the singular that they would need to fill out in order to make that happen. And so that was really valuable in boosting the engagement of this population. For youth, I would surmise, and not necessarily have full evidence to this effect, but youth are a chronically under-engaged group. It's hard to get youth to participate in broad-scale processes. And there was conversation about more engagement to high schools happening um, as a potential, as part of the process. And it didn't go as far as it hypothetically could have because of discussions and and uh, debates about where to, to allocate resources and time in a limited time frame. But in the future, hypothetically, more could have been done to in, to work directly with high schools to boost youth, to boost youth engagement, for instance. Can I just do a follow up? So you said you didn't you did not you don't un, you don't have a sense of why there was underrepresentation of Latinos. Correct. I don't have a theory there. It would be, one could guess that it's something to the effect of there are many groups for whom underrepresentation 
is more chronic, it's more regular, there are fewer touch points with various city processes. And there was no specific mini grantee outreach to this group in the way that there was specific mini grantee outreach to Asian, Asian residents. Sorry, can I just ask one more question? So, um, I, and I probably know the answer. We didn't collect um, sexual orientation. We did not. Okay, thank you. As, as well on the kind of the, the demographics. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about just the condensed timing and the challenge of timing. And so um, engaging and, you know, developing small mini grants, if you will, with community-based organization was always part of the approach and plan. Um, I, I, think, I think we got to the point where you know, we we needed to engage. There was a process to have uh, potential mini grantees apply for these small pots of money to do outreach and engagement. We were lucky to get Asian Resources as one of those. That is, you know, a large part of their service population. I think, in retrospect, we would now kind of look more deeply at what are the demographic characteristics of the two geographic areas that we you know, prioritized for PV? And do we need to be reaching out and be paying more attention to who are those Latino-serving organizations, right? As a matter of course, I mean, that was my thinking. Who, as a matter of course, is, are already reaching and serving those populations? Or who already has kind of trust history relationship to dig deep in those communities. And so we were fortunate to have Asian resources. I think we did not have a, you know, a specific focus on Latinos. And it's clearly an area we need to do better. Um, if 40% of, or almost 40% of our population is Latinos, it's an area I think we you know, clearly need to prioritize. Yeah, thank you. Um, first, I just wanted to congratulate the Measure U Committee overall on the pilot itself, actually launching it and getting it started. Uh, I will say the report was fascinating reading. There was obviously a lot to learn through the growing process of the pilot itself. Um, I was just going to highlight a few things uh, uh, along the lines of Member Sala as well. I also noticed the underrepresentation of the Latino community and the youth community. Uh, it does seem like perhaps the mini grantees, obviously there's a time frame we were trying to work under, but perhaps in a second iteration, which I am hopeful that we can get to, we might be able to uh, work with some mini grantees to ensure that we do have a more uh, accurate representation of our community at the table, because obviously I think we all want to aim towards that target. I was intrigued by the top line recommendation from the evaluators about having the city play a larger role in a future iteration. Um, I'll, I believe I do agree that might lead to better effectiveness and better just coordination as well. I would just elevate uh, my personal view, it would be great to still have the Measure U Committee be a part of a future steering committee. I know since it originated here and there's been so much work done, uh, I know it's part of the reason why I was very excited to join the Measure U Committee itself is to continue championing a very participatory citizen-facing budget. 
Uh, and then lastly, just finalizing here, um, a few of the recommendations about trying to simplify the process ahead of time, trying to really empower folks to make decisions and have their voice heard. Uh, I know some of that was mentioned a little bit earlier. I would also be very supportive of that as well with any future iteration of the participatory budget pilot. Uh, and also, I mean, we're still in the process of completing it, and so I'm hopeful that in our term and in our tenure, we're able to see full proof of concept of year one, uh, feel very good about it, probably evaluate what the money going out and how the grants actually operate itself, and then hopefully we can go back to the council, perhaps seek an augmentation as well for the second iteration. There's obviously, what, 62 pages worth of lessons learned, so I'd look forward to any future uh, venture in this as well, and I really look forward to concluding this and hopefully delivering to the community what they were asking for, hopefully later on this year. Uh, member Bird or Member Nahas? Uh, member Nahas. Well, um, first of all, Member Sala, I wanted to mention to you uh, about the empowerment. Empowerment. Um, I became or uh, um, uh, applied for to be on this committee because of the participatory, uh, I can never say that word, um, the budget program. <clears throat> we'll just go with that. How's that? Um, I also wanted to mention, too, I forgot to mention before, um, you mentioned about people helping with tech um, on the, uh, in the meetings. Richard Falcon uh, was our, our, our liaison in the South, and he was so instrumental in keeping everyone up to date on everything. We had a few people that just had a little bit of, of hesitance on the tech and, and he worked with them. He pulled them off to a site chat or helped them during that, um, in that. So it was just, it was incredible. Um, there was a lot of incredible things that came out from that. Um, there was also a couple little things that we say growing pains, um, but uh, Bottom line is that it's, it is something that I would love to see continue um, throughout uh, our history. And, and again, Ash, you, uh, you were such a great instrument from the city sa uh, standpoint to keep us on track and help us understand what we needed to do um, or uh, not do uh, during the process. And that my question is, and I don't know if this goes to more so you, Ash, or not, but there was two consultants. The first one, I don't remember them. Uh, I remember them for about a minute. And the second is obviously uh, our folks that did the uh, um, report. Was the uh, second consultant a replacement or, was the, um, or were they a follow-up to the first phase of the um, consulting? No, there was really just one consultant, PBP, that... Uh, so that included Richard Falcone, who you just mentioned. They focused on facilitating uh, the implementation. And then the second consultant was Third Plateau, Ellen and Ari, who evaluated the implementation. Okay. Member Gorris. Thank you. Uh, just want to say real quick, I want to extend a heartfelt thank you to Member Odo Kent. Uh, for really leaving this for us. Um, I think it's important for the city. It's important for our community. So I really, really, really so appreciate you and your hard work. Um, I also want to thank uh, Member Sala, who was involved as well, and the other commissioners, delegates, um, city staff, Ash, um, and members of the community for, uh, for doing this. And, you know, we heard from callers and we've heard from delegates, commissioners. Nothing was perfect, you know, nothing was textbook. But we have a starting point. 
Let's continue and let's try to get $2 million next time. So thank you. Member Pashal. Uh, just a quick question regarding the um, evaluation. Is there a plan for further evaluation once the implementation is complete? Is that something that the um, third plateau is, is that part of their agreement um, already or is that a future contract we'd have to consider or this council would have to consider? It is not currently planned or budgeted for. So the scope, their scope really stopped at the um, vote, at the end of the vote phase. Member Masias. Um, I had a question for Third Plateau, uh, but but I guess first I would just echo the congratulations to the com to the commission members and to the staff for on the pilot. And my question for Third Plateau is just, I think in the question, or we've heard it from our delegate uh, and our commission members, and then the report kind of either allude to or explicitly say that. I don't know that maybe the process suffered from from poor facilitation from PBP. I'm wondering if they had any uh, any response or to the to the findings or if they were interviewed for your report. I'm just just wondering how they respond to um, the criticism. Yes. So they were interviewed for the report, and we incorporate their perspective into the finding. Um, in particular what they would point to is confusion about role clarity. So there are, depending on who you speak to, who is involved in the process and what their role was, there are different opinions about whose job it was to clarify which, which actor played which role in terms of the decision-making for the process. Whose job was it to make sure that everyone was clear about the facilitation in a given meeting or which rules applied to delegates and how that was communicated to whom and when. Depending on who you talk to, there's a different slant on that, which is why we kept it general in the report in terms of our description of the lack of rule clarity and why we described it as a cross-cutting challenge that affected all the parties who were participating. So yes, we did talk to them. Their take, part, the encouragement to make the process a little more institutionalized and owned more by the city also came from PPP as well. They work in many other jurisdictions across the nation, and they have seen that processes that are more institutionalized within the city, that is to say that have a stronger steering committee that was led and supported by many more city staff, tend to not suffer from these kinds of challenges that the process in Sacramento, the pilot process this year, ran into. And so that also informs some of our recommendations here. Um, yeah, so I, I too want to, you know, thank folks around the table and Marsali going to the delegate meetings. Remember Rivera? I mean, early on we were, this committee was very much around about how do we get awareness and do some outreach ourselves. And remember Rivera picked up a poster board and went and tabled at events and just did a whole lot of uh, direct outreach. And um, thank you, Member Nahas, for serving as a delegate. It was... Um, I know it's an interesting process and unclear process, but thank you for sticking <laughs> sticking with it and and uh, noodling through kind of the lack of clarity. And uh, you know, Ash is. Can you move the microphone? Oh, sure. And um, 
you know, Ash, you've been called out several times, but the, you know, this was really a process where, I'll say it again, we were building the bridge as we were walking it. I think one of the things I um, really respected about Ash was holding back in many respects and not being the traditional city, uh, if you will. And when there was questions from either the um, Measure U committee members about what should we do, what would the city want, like a lot of that was thrown back at us. And um, I always say I, I got a bald spot during this whole process because I was scratching my head about like what is the right thing to do. And um, but I appreciate Ash that you didn't you know really step in and control the process. This was a pilot, and we were trying to figure out how do we really put a participatory public's people's budget process and all of the decisions that need to go into that back in the hands of, of both the Measure U committee members who are advocating so hard for this as well as um, the delegates. So um, thank you and thank you uh, fellow commissioners. Uh, my question is, I know there is a process for this evaluation report it was coming first to this committee. It will then go to the full council, I think. I just want to make sure I understand the process because I, I think, you know, I would agree with the, with in, you know, overall with the documentation of the process and of the, um, the overall recommendations. But there was a lot of color to add, right, um, to the presentation of the report. And it is true that Many of the questions are about, so what now? We have that we got through a certain phase of it. We have not completed it. And so I am wondering what, what is that process to presenting a, a, to the council members? Because I'd really like to have some of us provide some of that, that clarity because I don't want the conclusion to be reached that it wasn't worth it and, isn't, and it isn't going to be, continue to be worth it. I will say that part of the fatigue, if you will, that a few of us developed is that this committee advocated, advocated, pushed, met, went to many council members, many committee members, met with council members to advocate for what started as 15 million, then 10 million, then 5 million, then somewhere in between, and we ended up with a million dollars. And so, um, and we learned, I think, a lot from council members about what their expectations were be, would be. What is, I, I asked several, like, what would be your definition of success? And there were answers like, you know, if we could build trust. How do you measure trust? How do we, how do we present this report in that light? Others would say, if there are like incredible ideas that we haven't thought about. And I push back on that a little bit around this is gonna be for many folks the first time they've been asked or their first exposure to understanding how the, how the process works. And your measure of success is that innovative idea. So I, I feel like there needs to be some introduction and framing about our committee's intent uh, of bringing PB to the community. So, sure. so the, the short answer is this will first go to the personnel and public employees committee who will then decide what direction it goes in. And it sounds like the direction that you're at least suggesting is that the committee would draft some sort of cover letter or a companion piece that would be attached to this report to provide its perspective and potentially be 
presented before the council. Uh, that, of course, would be at the discretion of the Personnel and Public Employees Committee, and I think we're still sorting out exactly how that process is gonna play out, what the timing looks like. Um, in terms of immediate next steps, I mean, I might suggest perhaps uh, continuing this item or bringing up a similar item at, at your um, April meeting to discuss that and sort of finalize what, what those ideas might be as sort of a companion piece that would accompany this report. Thank you. Nikki? So Nikki made a suggestion that I've really been thinking about that would be helpful for me and probably for a lot of members of my community. And that would be to have an evaluation of the success of this, of this funding. We should have some sort of evaluation done and say what the pros and what the, anyway, the evaluation of it. So that's what I'm requesting. I don't know if it would be with chair or we bring it back. Do you have a comment on that, Nash? Yes, so that would be an example of another recommendation that would need to go to PNPE in order to um, secure funding and resources from the city council to actually um, implement that evaluation. I think this third plateau did a great job. Uh, uh, thank you, and um, I join everyone else in, in thanking the people who were on the ground in implementing this, Ash and, and Member Kent and, and new member Nahas and uh, Member Sala and, and others I'm sure I'm forgetting. And I'm um, in the process of reading um, grant applications right now. And, and to, to the points that uh, Member Kent and Member Riviera just made, I'm so inspired by how much people care for their community and how they have ideas that really, I mean, in the greater scheme of things, don't cost a ton of money but would make a difference. And, and that's, the, that's the message I want the PP&E committee and, and the council to get as we, as we move this evaluation forward, is that this evaluation only went up to a certain point, and, um, which is what it was designed to do, but that there, there's the final step yet to be assessed. The final step is, which um, which proposals get funded? How much do they get funded for? What are they doing? How are they going to do it? And you know, really, it's a, it's an, probably a year from now until we know the answers about how it works. But I would I, I hope that whatever we send forward with this report, um, and the report is reads very authentically to me um, about what what the experience was and I appreciate having somebody you know sort of step back and be objective about that but but at this stage where we know we've got great proposals I want to leave the council with it wasn't all you know it wasn't all about the process it was also about what it inspired people to do and um, and I don't know you know I don't know what the outcome of the of who gets funded is, are going to be at this point. But just reading those things and looking at, at how much, you know, 
some of the proposals I read had a max of 20,000 and people only asked for 12. And they were gonna do amazing things. So somewhere in our transmittal cover letter, whatever, highlighting there's more to come and it's good stuff to come, I think would be really important. And also to, um, to member Riviera's explicit point of having an evaluation of the final stage I think would be would be wise um, because you know we're invested and we're emotional, <laughs> but but um, getting some objective evaluation of the the final outcome of this pilot um, I think would be useful and wise. Member Peschall. One more uh, process question because it seems like we're kind of pivoting to the next step on this. Um, if we were to hold off, say, until another meeting to develop some further, um, like, framing for this report before it moves along, is that time to be impactful on the budget process if we're asking for money to be um, allocated out of that next year's city budget? I just wanted to throw that out as a kind of a timing concern. I don't have a specific answer for you on this, and part of it just has to do with the general timeline of when the budget is presented and when it's considered by the city council and once it's finally approved. Um, if, if you look at that timeline and then look at what, what it would take for this committee to discuss, develop, finalize recommendations, send those recommendations to the Personnel and Public Employees Committee, have, I, I believe what would happen is the PNPE would then forward that recommendation if, if it was even acceptable to them to the, sorry, the Budget and Audit Committee, which is the, the committee that um, previously this committee sort of interacted more directly with. So it would go to PNPE, then to the Budget and Audit Committee, which would then need to, um, consider your proposals and then forward that to the city council. There's just, um, and, I'm, and I'm sort of speculating here too because I, I'm not quite sure exactly what the process is. This is gonna be fairly new. This is something that the PNPE committee is actually discussing tomorrow. And so like when Mindy presented earlier, she was sort of speculating how it might work, but we're really subject to the direction of the PNPE committee to tell us how all of this is supposed to work. And so I'm sorry to, um, to share all this process information, but I'm really just thinking about the timing of the budget that will, be, that will actually go into effect on July 1st um, and sort of the process by which this committee that meets on a monthly basis can develop finalized recommendations and, and move those forward. Um, so we, we could potentially come back to you at the next meeting with sort of a draft um, I guess, game plan or roadmap of, of how the committee might get there, but certainly don't have the answers tonight. Chair Dickinson. That was a great question. <laughs> and that answer was, was raised more questions. Um, so first, does that, does the new role of PP&E mean that every recommendation that comes out of this committee now goes from this committee to PP&E to the 
operational committee, budget in this, our case, I guess it's budget and audit, and then to the council? Yes, that's, that's my understanding. Uh, notwithstanding the fact, I believe PNPE may have the discretion to directly send something to council. I would need to double check that though. Okay. And so, all right, so, wow, that's pretty torturous. Um, so in, in response to your question, I think we could go on two tracks, neither of which are looking particularly fast to me, <laughs> but, um, but one would be forwarding this, you know, I, we need to forward this evaluation at, at some point with the appropriate cover letter and signal in there that we want continued funding. The other thing we can do is in our recommendations on the budget, because this is where this all started, was in a recommendation on the budget. So in our recommendations on the budget, when we make them, recommend that the funding be continued. And I, that's shorthand, that's not all the rationale, but that's the only thing I can think of. I, I, <laughs> I'm just like, this, uh, well, I, that's a good question. I would say funding for the, the, the program, the actual funding for projects, and, there, and uh, the, that's a good question. Um, we, would we would need some funding for evaluation, I assume. And that, is, yeah, yeah. Um, but because one of my interests is, is at this stage, the worst thing we can do is, ju is say, just kidding. Pilot didn't work. Nice try, everybody. Because I think that would be such a betrayal to the participants and to the idea that you want to expand community involvement in budgeting. Um, so I think sustainability of the program is really important and it should be part of our messaging, um, both with this, this um, all evaluation and with subsequent budget request and evaluation request. But uh, to your, I don't see a fast track unless. <laughs> I like that. I like the idea of doing that, but according to the recommendation that we requested, funding for the um, evaluation at the same time. Yeah, yeah. that makes I sense. I think that, Nikki, I think that might work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hi. Thank you. Uh, so I just want to just get a clarification with Ash. So when you do find the process, the, the definite answer, can you circle back with us and just send us an email as far as with that? Yes, absolutely. And the one thing I would remind the committee of is that uh, many of you are appointed directly by city council members. So you are invited to you know, try to build that relationship with them, maintain lines of regular communication, and certainly there's no rules that would prohibit you from communicating your own personal uh, preferences for how the city ought to move forward. Just, I would just caution you to not necessarily speak on behalf of the full committee if the full committee hasn't necessarily taken a vote or developed something more formal, but to rather you know, communicate your own personal preferences and kind of ideas around what the city should be doing with Measure U directly with your council members. 
Member Masias. Um, if the so tomorrow, if the P and PE committee approves the subcommittee plan, the subcommittee on on the budget project can't start start meeting right away. They'll have to wait until the next meeting to get appointed. I mean, because the committee, the subcommittee, right, could develop the the kind of cover letter that you're you're talking about at least, so it's ready to go for the next meeting to be approved by the full board, but. Can the subcommittee start meeting right away? So the what the PNPE committee is discussing tomorrow is the overall process. Um, what you approve tonight as it relates to a request to create subcommittees um, will not be on tomorrow's agenda. That would be on a future agenda. So what they're discussing tomorrow would inform our approach as to how to transmit the recommendations related to the sub committee request if that makes sense not i i mean it makes sense that i guess the answer is no <laughs> you just add a month to whatever you thought yeah yeah okay thank you yes you can do that i believe i mean it, is that... i mean he's just sitting there <laughs> poor guy and Ellen as well. Um, evaluators, do you have any more um, observations or comments before we let you go? Nothing on our end. If you have further questions, there are ways to reach us. It's laid out in the report, and our email addresses are public online. So feel free to reach out. Um, thank you for the thank you for the time and for the opportunity to share our findings. Yeah, thank you very much for your findings and for spending so much time with so many of the stakeholders. We appreciate it. Member Sala. Okay, thank you. Good night. Um, so. When um, Mindy presented to us, I wasn't sure, but she went through so fast, it was hard for me to understand what it all meant until we just had this discussion. And I mean, talk about bogging down a system. We're gonna have to start, start our budget discussions in September to get it on the council's budget and audit committee to go to the council. Um, it, having one more layer of review and approval is gonna bog things down as it is, and you're gonna all experience it. It takes time to get our recommendations um, through and on the radar of radar for our, the council. City Council. That being said, I I am re reminded when we first started this and we were advocating it was um, it was a heavy lift to get our council members. First, it was uh, education and training that was done, and everyone participated. So get their their mind around what this all meant, 
And then the he heavy lift was going and talking to each council member about getting the support and funding. And it was like I went, I was there um, with my council member, with the chair, and we, we spoke about it and what we were asking. And there was nothing to prohibit us from doing that again this time as we're preparing the report and it's going through P, PP&E and then going to the budget and audit, et cetera, we can um, start talking about a preliminary result or the report, kind of what we're seeing and what we'd like to see happen for each of us that um, have an appointment by a council member and having that discussion. And it was helpful to have, um, I think, count, count, um, member Otto Kent, were, did you participate? I think you joined with each. Were you there when we met with the different council members, like when I met with my council member? Yeah. Yeah. So it was hopeful, helpful to have that since you were so directly involved and such an advocate for this. It's, there's no reason why we can't do that. And I think the sooner the better because we're in March, it's April, May, things are, are ticking and, and, um, and we could, that the wind, it's a small window and it can close very quickly and we'll miss this opportunity to have it happen. And in the same, in the same <coughs> token, advocating for it being funded again, continuing, talk about the, the evaluation, but also stress the importance. And it's something we have discussed when we're reviewing how we fund our projects and we're saying, okay, we want, so we gave you so much money. You said you were gonna do this with the money and we wanna see, did you do it and what was the impact? That's an ongoing discussion we have. And I think it ties back to this. We gave these, the, this, idea, the money to implement it in the community and we want to see what did you, did you do, what you said you were going to do and what was the impact. So that's the evaluation and it should not only be for this but it should be for every, every um, the monies that we give each area of Measure U monies. That's the accountability piece. So I agree we should, we should add that to this because I would like to see with the $20,000 that we gave them to, you know, show us that it had an impact on your community, and that's very valuable. So, yeah, I have a quick question. Um, so I know that we sort of have these two dueling uh, proposals. One is to get reappropriated for the project as a whole, and another is to have funds to do this project evaluation and potentially a 2.0 evaluation. Um, but I think. Would it be possible to have the current participants that we're currently awarding um, throw that question to them and ask them to do like a closeout summary of their project? I know that other grants have that where they'll just have them answer five questions and you know, did you meet this community? How many people were served? What did your project look like? Were there any uh, pitfalls or issues that came up? Um, like a quick survey, I think that wouldn't be a hard ask, and it would conceivably be free, obviously, uh, city time, um, but uh, that would be an easy fix, I think, in the short term, that we could start to get feedback, um, because I, I'm currently on the, the last iteration of the steering committees, which is the 
choosing projects and reviewing applications. And I think uh, a majority of them are gonna be complete or have their project in motion by early 2024. So we could get a quick turnaround somewhat uh, in terms of having that data to look at and use in our further advocacy. So that would be my only ask if it would be possible to um, create some sort of closeout activity for the projects we award. Yes, <laughs> I'll just quickly answer that. Um, just as it relates, I think we didn't quite um, get explicit about this, but what the participatory budgeting process led to in terms of what the community voted on is what projects would receive funding and how much funding would they receive? And we identified the top voting project, the projects that received the most votes. We allocated the funding, said, you know, this one gets 100,000, this one gets 50,000. What the voting process didn't answer was who is actually going to implement these projects. So that's what um, this review panel that Duke um, is serving on, and I'm sorry, uh, Debbie, you're on it, right? Yes, and uh, Chair Dickinson, I'm sorry, I'm like getting mixed up here. Um, so they're serving on this review panel that is making these decisions, as well as Member Sala, it's all coming back to me. Um, and so a decision like that, we would defer to the review panel once it makes its selections as to who's actually gonna receive the funding to implement these projects. We would look for you to tell us, oh, by the way, can you include a closeout report in their contract that requires, you know, before they receive their final payment or, you know, immediately following their grant, they submit data on X, Y, Z, you know, who do they serve? Um, what was the impact and that, and that sort of thing. We can certainly require that. Um, <clears throat> I currently have uh, no speakers with their hands raised. Um, so the report has been received, discussion has occurred. Uh, do I have a motion? So there's um, the staff recommendation, which was outlined to simply um, accept the report and forward it to city council for consideration. However, I believe one of the alternative ideas that was suggested earlier was this dual track approach to, um, in addition to sending that report forward to also make it part of the budget recommendations. I'm looking at my notes, I don't think I have that right, but there, this, if somebody wants to take yeah, a stab at this the, dual track. Immediate item tonight. I think the idea is that we move it forward with council with a cover letter that says this is evaluation to this point in time. We've got some exciting projects that will be funded in the next couple of months and we hope that you'll fund this for the future so we can sustain. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so I think that for this agenda item, moving it forward with a cover letter from the committee, which reflects the spirit of the conversation we had tonight. 
Sure, and so <laughs> um, in order to finalize that cover letter, um, would, would the committee then, as part of the motion, want to develop that cover letter at the next meeting in April? Could we ask one member of this committee to perhaps draft the cover letter? Yes. Yes, our attorney is shaking his head yes. Um, the question, I believe, would be, would that single member have the authority to finalize that letter or draft it for the committee's consideration at the next meeting? As long as the motion included that direction that we nom that the committee that the committee could nominate one person or authorize one person to draft that letter, taking into account everything that was said here today, and then put a signature on it and, and include it with the with the uh, report. Sure. Have coffee with another member and look at. No. <laughs> Can you go to Fox and? <laughs> 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 I don't, I don't know how that stuff happens. So I'm just going to say that they would nominate one person to uh, put the letter together. Um, use, use the comments that were gathered today. And I apologize for the snottiness. Coffee. For coffee. <laughs> Yes, so I'll officially make the recommendation, uh, Madam Chair, or I'm sorry, the motion. Um, so my motion is to accept uh, the report with the addition of a draft letter written by member Odo Kent and forward to City Council for recommendation. Vice Chair Cooney? Oh, second. I said it first. Get a click in. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I have <clears throat> a motion by Member Gorris and a second by Member Cooney uh, for the most motion as amended. Um, I'll now do the roll call vote. Uh, Member Bird? Yes. Member Cooney, or Vice Chair Cooney? Yes. Member Diaz? Yes. Member Dickinson? Yes. Member Gorris? Yes. Member Macias? Yes. Member Nahas? Yes. Member Odo Kent? Yes. <laughs> yes. Member Pashal? Yes. Member Riviera? Yes. Member Sala? Yes. Member Wolf? Yes. And Member Wright is absent. Thank you. The motion passes as amended. With that, we'll now move on to our next item, uh, discussion item, item number seven, approval of the Measure U focus group's implementation proposal. Um, I'll move it over to uh, Mr. Ashragani. There is no staff presentation for this item, but it's gonna be presented by committee member Sala. Okay, so um, I, I sit here, do I go up in front? No, I can sit here, okay, great. Um, I. So this 
re this proposal of the focus group came out of our ad hoc um, community outreach and engagement communication um, committee and it uh, one of the charges of our ad hoc, ad hoc was how do we how do we engage the community and how do we inform the community more effectively of really what is measure you so in this it's um, so many of our community don't understand what Measure U is and what it funds. So one of, in our discussions before the auditor, the audit, they do a, every two years they, they do a survey. Is it every two years? They do a survey of the community just doing general um, information that they want to be aware of. And Measure U successfully in the last two audits has been able to implement a question in there about Measure U. How do you want the money funded? How, what would you like to see Measure U fund? And it gives them um, different options. And this last time, which was in April of 20, the auditor's report of 2022, I think it was done in April, somewhere around there, um, we were able to ask a question as to whether individuals, the community would be interested in focus groups around the um, allocation of Measure U funds and how um, it should be, what the focus should be of Measure U funds. So as a result, they inserted that question and much to our surprise, there was about 500 individuals giving their emails and their name um, saying, that they want to participate in a focus group. So our committee, our ad hoc, um, had a discussion and, and then in November of 2022, we brought it here and we discussed the possibility of holding focus groups, that it was important if, if an individual put their name and their email, that means they're, they're interested and they want to contribute. And that was important for us to acknowledge that and follow up with these individuals. So um, the um, committee agreed, Measure U committee agreed, and in discussions with um, Member Gorgas, um, and it was a member, um, uh, gosh, Noel. And it was myself, I think, and and member Rivera that we we gave a little more details to what that would mean, and so we um, we discussed it and went. The proposal is here is what you kind of have in, um, in front of you, and because it's impossible to do to try and outreach to all 500 and do focus groups. Um, we decided that we'll limit the focus groups to two because of funding, because when you do focus groups, you all know that it takes resources to pay individuals um, for their time, to be able to give them a little bit of um, refreshments while they're, um, we're soliciting feedback, and we need a trained facilitator from the community to do an effective way of facilitating that. And then of course, providing um, 
interpreters if needed. And that takes resources. So based on that, we thought that we could only have two focus groups with 12 participants. And you might ask yourself, 12, why only 12? Because for it to be meaningful and engaging and really allow for everyone to contribute, um, you, anything larger would be would not be as fruitful and as rich as a focus groups. That being said, we also thought that the other individuals who um, are still interested in contributing, we could do a, a virtual focus groups and include as many, like a town hall, and include as many people as possible, but that would be more general to, to manage that kind of feedback would be challenging, so it might be more general in scope versus a focus group would be very laser focused and very targeted in the type of questions that would be asked. So um, we we came up with the budget and it's it's outlined where it's included those items that I that I um, listed for you that to have a successful focus group would be of critical importance. Measure U doesn't have a budget, so that means we need to go back to the city council and ask them to fund the $7,800 that we came up with. I think that's what, $7,800. And one thought that we had was to have, for sure, each, each, each member who's been appointed by a council member to go back to, to that council member and ask if they would be, it's a minimal cost if we, if we divide it up and minimal that they would contribute to this um, proposal, it would be easier, it might be easier and quicker because we have a timeline. If you see, we would like to have this done by, the, by May in order to inform the budget process. And that is, in, in our discussions, when um, the people of the city of Sacramento voted for that half a cent to fund um, issues around youth, parks, and economic development in underserved areas, they, they want to know that where that money's going and how it's being spent. And, and what we found is a lot of, lot of individuals don't know. So what I voted on, is it really going towards this or not? Where is the money going towards? And if it's not, this is how I would like to see it funded. Now, we're all um, representatives of, um, and we, we're representatives of the community, but ultimately it's the community that needs to help us understand what they really want us to recommend to the city council. So that's why this is so important. And it will inform our decisions as we go forward. If, we, if, they ask, if the, audit, the auditors ask this question every time, it's gonna, and we hold these focus groups, um, it's gonna help us be more effective in advocating for our recommendations to city council and saying this is, you know, we, we sought information from the community and this is what they identified 
and this is and our recommendations are based on on that feedback. Likewise, um, it's equally important, and I have found this to be um, something I hear a lot from the community is their frustrations. We spend time, we're giving you feedback, we give you our time, yet we never know what happens to the recommendations. Like, so equally important would be for us after we collect the information and we embed it in our recommendations and we support it in our recommendations to go back to those members that spent their time with us, whether it was in the focus group or whether it was in the virtual town hall, to let them know we heard you and these, this is what we were able, we recommended or not recommended and why, um, so that it, it, it really um, strengthens that feeling of trust in our community and being heard. And I think that's what we saw in participatory budgeting is the community felt like, okay, we generated our ideas, you, you heard them, you put them in a ballot, and now you know, in a few months you're gonna implement, implement some of these projects. And this is, this is different than participatory budgeting because it was very specific. This is just general to educate the community about what measure you is, but then to also ask them, based on these categories, how, what would you like to see fund, how would you like to see measure you utilized for your community? And it could be project specific, if we, if we had specific projects. So for an example, do you wanna see, addition, see additional resources towards participatory budgeting for the coming year? Is that valuable? Yes or no? Um, or it could just be general. These are the areas that you, that the, um, the initiative, the ballot initiative indicated this money would go towards. And what would you like to see the emphasis? So um, I really believe this is the next step in, in um, being accountable to the citizens of citizens of Sacramento that voted for the half a cent by doing the, they're small in scale, but, it, but, at, but at least we're having a sense, a real sense of what um, the community is wanting us to utilize the funds. I mean, I, I so I am, um, I live in Gardenland Northgate and I do speak to my community about, you know, it's budget time and what would you like to see funded in it? You know, it's, it's, not, it's not different than what we know. They want parks, they want safety, they want low-income housing, um, low-income housing being a big one, and they want the homeless issue. But I think the focus groups would be more laser-focused and being able to seek that information. And I know I would value it when I'm looking at um, how we're going to uh, recommend make our recommendations to the city council. And I also believe it will strengthen our recommendations when we present it to the city council. Do you have any questions? Vice Chair Cooney. Yeah, I would just, <clears throat> I would just second the, the last statement you made on using that um, and that, that bank of 500 folks as leverage to uh, reappropriate the program. Um, we can definitely 
since we're sort of out of the, the window where this group could uh, weigh in and be a part of the process, I think using them um, in 2.0, participatory budgeting 2.0, would be the best use for them. And then also, obviously, support from council members that we already have folks who are interested and ready to, to weigh in and be a part of some sort of process moving forward. So that I, I would just uh, ask that it be included in the, the cover letter, maybe mentioning the 500 folks that we have um, who expressed interest and gave information to be a part of this process. And before I move on to the next um, uh, commissioner comments, uh, I do want to bring it back to public comments. Uh, I have no, um, no speaker slips from those in chambers, and I have one hand raised online. Um, Mr. Davis, uh, it is your time for comment. Yes, I, I'm going to, when I finish, I believe most people listening to this is mouths will drop to the ground. <laughs> I, I am completely stunned that it was confirmed that a certain group was advantaged, not disadvantaged, by having uh, an outside group or whatever. I think that group should be audited who was able to advantage a certain group. That's a quota system. And as a person who has a cheesecake business that is supported all throughout the city, you mean to tell me you don't know about La Familia or Hispanic Chamber? I guarantee you they would have got the vote out to the Latino community. I'm very familiar with them. And then as far as the black community, you have the black chamber and you also have the urban league. I think that was intentional. That's what they mean by systemic and institutionalized racist practices. That's a disadvantage to the people. And it, then it was even confirmed that the Latino community is 40% of Sacramento. How in the world could they be disadvantaged unless it was intentional? Just like when I submitted four different applications at four different locations in District 2. I did that intentionally to see if you would be arrogant enough to lose my paperwork, and you did. This is one of the biggest swindles in Sacramento history, and some people need to be fired, and some people need to be put in prison for what just happened. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Um, member Otto Kent or Member Diaz? Uh, appreciate, thank you for the um, proposal and presentation. What I like about this is this is a real through line, I think, to earlier work that when we invited the um, city auditors staff to come and talk about the citywide survey, I didn't even know there was a citywide survey that was conducted either every year or, or periodically. And um, I really appreciated their openness to add some specific questions about Measure U. They were added. We did ask, you know, uh, ask the question about would you be interested in being involved in, you know, having a say in how a pot of money. We, we went through that whole process and it was added and, and distributed. And um, so I really support this, you know, this proposal to follow up after we asked. Um, and. I think that the earlier community engagement committee really put a lot of thought into what would be those questions in the overall city survey that might have some meaning and some potential follow-up. So thank you. 
Member Masias. Um, I guess I'm just thinking about ex my experience with focus groups that maybe it could be valuable for like bringing a specific kind of focused ideas and getting feedback on it, but just kind of a broad questions about what you value on in the budget and what we should work on. I just don't know, you know, from 24 people how we're going, you know, a big diverse city with a lot of regions and, and, and interests. How, I mean, if, we're, if the questions are just broadly about the entire budget, how we'd be able to use that and then how sort of um, influ influential that would be to this, to city council members in terms of what they would think about that as a sample. But maybe if we had um, some kind of focus ideas to bring to focus groups, it would help us help us focus on, on, on that particular area. Um, I don't have a ton of experience with focus groups, but have used them in the past, and that's how we've used them, less for sort of just bigger, broad um, questions. So just my thought, but maybe others have more experience with this. So... Let me see if I, if I understand you're asking, you're saying that if we're going to do the focus group that it would be more laser focused topic, like specific things we're trying to get answers to or are you suggesting that um, we do larger and maybe not 24 individuals um, and do something at a larger scale that would be more general? Yeah, I guess I, thinking about, well, the, um, like if we had some recommendations or had some ideas that you were, you wanted to get feedback on, bringing that to some focus groups and seeing, seeing what they thought about that. But it, if, if it's just a, if we started from a, if the starting point was just, what do you think of the budget and here's, I don't know what we would do with that input from just 24 people. Mm -hmm. um, But I don't know. I would be curious if others have more experience with focus groups, and and and, and then just um, you know for the for the bringing it back in terms of like influencing the city council members, which I think I'm hearing is one of the the goals. They might say, well, wouldn't you know we have a half million residents? Like, how does the fact that 12 people in one group and 12 people in another, you know, if one person changes <laughs> changes their mind, that's a difference of a substantial difference in, in the, the overall opinion. So I, anyway, I'm just wondering how, how we would weight, weight that. Member Gorris. Thank you. Um, I appreciate Member Macias' uh, comment. However, I think um, being it's a pilot program, we build the bridge as, we, as we're walking on it, you know, and I think when we, do, when we go back to council members, um, they'll kind of give us some kind of shape as far as what these focus groups and what these ideas probably we'll have to target it on. So I think um, I think we're getting a little too ahead. I think um, the focus group idea is a good idea, and we'll, we'll get some more shape as we move through the process, I think. This is my comment. Member Wolf. Uh, <clears throat> thanks, everyone, <clears throat> thanks, everyone, again, for all your input and really candor on these issues. Um, I think I, when I read the report today, there is a digital component to this as well, right? So there would be a, digital, a larger digital focus group with 500 participants. Did I read that correctly? So as I understand the current proposal, the, the 500 is not a digital. Um, I mean, it could include a digital component, but um, during the November discussion, and this really 
piggybacks on uh, committee member, member Macias's point is there was, I, I got a sense from the committee that there was a little, like half the committee members were thinking about these larger town hall style meetings and the other half were thinking about focus groups. And so that terminology is kind of important because a focus group is a very small, intimate, in-depth, you know, asking lots of deep questions, following up with more questions like, why do you think that way? And you can sort of start to surface key insights. And then, so the idea, I think, as it's currently drafted, is you would then pull up some insights out of these deep focus groups and then bring them to this larger town hall format for more of kind of a voting style or get, getting sort of broad input on these deep insights that you were able to gather through the focus groups. But I think that th these are really decisions that are, that are up to you and you know, there's many different directions you could go, go in, including a digital component. Um, again, I'm just asking questions today that give me more context and help me make more insightful decisions, hopefully. Um, but yeah, it makes a lot more sense now, now that I'm thinking about it like that way. Chair Dickinson. Uh, thank you. Uh, and my recollection is we had this discussion, what we were really focused on is, as I think Member Sala said, there were 500 people who responded to a community survey and said they were interested in having more discussion about the city budget. And in my mind, it's as simple as, taking advantage of that, giving them a voice to inform us. Um, I think less about advocating something that we're trying to do, but more about getting, uh, getting feedback from them. They, they already expressed interest, and I think M Member Sala said it beautifully. And we so rarely, n no one follows up when you express interest in a survey, and so the idea was, let's be different. Let's actually say, hey, you, you responded to this. You wanted to have more conversation. Let's have more conversation. And, and I, you know, I'm ecumenical on focus group versus town hall meeting, but um, I really want to focus on those 500 people who actually were interested. And then we, we find out more about them and we can maybe engage them in other ways and they can, they can inform us in different ways. Member Rivera. Rivera. My apologies, thank you for the correction. So, um, the focus group, the 500 that, uh, that responded, were they the different zip codes or were they specific the north and the south zip codes? Do you remember? No, uh, I don't. No. Yeah, we don't have the location data for the people who responded. We just know it was citywide. Um, in general, the auditor survey has two components. One is a representative sample. Um, so there was a smaller group that responded there just because it's a smaller number of people who received that survey. I think that one was closer to about 150 responses. And then the other 350 were from this open survey that anybody could click a link and take take that survey, and, and those are folks who also indicated interest in participating. 
The reason I was the reason I was asking is because if we were going to go back to our city council person and let's say I say to the individual because I divided it up, can you donate a thousand dollars to this? And I want to be able to say some people who may be from the district or are from the district. That's why I was asking. Yeah, I don't. We only have their email, so we don't have a way, and it's it's my understanding it's confidential. They don't when they respond that you're not you're not um, collecting their address information, correct? That's correct. So there's no way of knowing. And the reason, if you recall, why we did a very the 150 very targeted was because we were concerned. I think we asked the auditor's office to to do something different in the way they collected the surveys to be able to to um, the concern was that communities, and I'll just speak about my community, typically my community isn't gonna respond to a general survey. That's true. On an email or, or being mailed, not email, being mailed. They're, they're gonna look at it and may not respond. And so I think we, we came up, and I can't remember what we asked them to do, but there was something very specific that might get at um, individuals who typically do not respond to surveys, one, because they're busy, they might have two jobs and they're busy and they just don't feel like, oh, I'm gonna fill out this survey and it's, it's, doesn't, it's not gonna make a difference for me. So that's why we had the one very targeted and it resulted in 150 and then we had the general mating that's very random and it's, um, they, they have, you'll, you'll get to see their presentation, how they select who, who the communities or the individuals that get the, the, mail, the mailings submitted to them. I agree with you. I have the same problem. They just aren't, they don't, there's no trust there yet. Yes. So they will not respond to emails, they won't respond to. But, but we're building trust, we're starting to. Mm -hmm. Member Wolf. Um, I mean, if we want like a sampling of the demographics for, for one of these online surveys that I believe was on social media at one point, I mean, I, I'm a respondent to one of these surveys because I know that I did it. I came up as like an ad and I was like, oh, that's interesting. I'll see where this is going to go. It was like last summer, I believe. Um, so I definitely, re I'm a respondent for one of those. Um, and then I'm just wondering like in terms of like this, this bigger group and like opening the conversation up for that, like what... I mean, you guys obviously have a lot more insight here and history with what the committee's already accomplished and everything, but like, what specific things moving forward do you really wanna know from that group of 500? Have you guys given that any thought? Like, drafting a survey or any kind of specific questions we'd want on it? Oh, no, we haven't, we haven't gotten there um, at that point. Um, but I am, I am intrigued with the thought of, of really you're right about focus groups. When you're doing focus groups, there's very specific things you're wanting to get from, from the, the group, and it's a whole list of questions, and there is follow-up, and so I'm intrigued with doing that and, and um, gleaming from that some general um, yeah, topics no. and then going to doing a virtual town hall or digital and presenting it out to them, because I, I think that's... That's intriguing, but 
Well, I'm almost hearing it like in the way you guys did the participatory budgeting thing, where you, you went to a large sample size of people, you, you got a lot of ideas back, and then you kind of let the best ones bubble up to the top. And then like, it, for me, it almost seems like maybe you should use that 500 again to collect ideas, um, and then go to the focus groups with the ones that you think could be the best or the moving forward and use those as recommendations to do on another project. Right, like sort of the bigger sample size and hone it down into something smaller. Yeah. That's all I have. Okay, so I have no um, more um, uh, hands raised uh, in the speaker queue here. Um, Uh, the recommendation here um, is to discuss the Measure You Focus Group's implementation proposal, uh, finalize proposal details, and pass a motion approving the proposal as discussed. So, um, so it seems to me, based on this discussion, more work, I think more work needs to be done, but in the past, I'd be able to continue this in my ad hoc, <laughs> but I can't because we don't have a subcommittee and I would like to know maybe the, um, the question is, should we present this, put this on the agenda for, for April to, to modify or add to the recommendation to P, P and E as another subcommittee? Because really the, the kind of details and really hashing this out after hearing all of you, um, it needs to be done at, at the subcommittee. And we won't make, and unfortunately, it won't, it won't be in time for this budget cycle. Member Masias. Um, let's see, I had a question and then just, Another thought about focus groups of, or potentially, I mean, another way to go about it potentially would be thinking about focus groups of, uh, of like maybe a couple of the groups that were underrepresented in the participatory budgeting, like a Latino focus group or a youth focus group on their interest in the budget that maybe we didn't hear as much input about in the last round, like maybe something like that might be an interesting approach. And then funding allowing keep adding to the different demographic groups and thinking about it that way, or, you know, um, you know issues that way, or, um, or so maybe you have a focus group that you particularly want to ask people about, you know, criminal justice issues, or another one where we want to focus on, um, you know, a particular budget issue, something like that. Um, and then just for your, the issue around working on this going forward, maybe this is for, for Ash, but could this fit into the, the, what was the third group, the, like community, communi yeah. communication outreach, could that, like it I seems, to, that like instead of starting a whole new subcommittee, is it, is there potential? Yes. To, mm -hmm. Is it broad enough? Okay. And also I would just, yeah, I mean, I'm, I, just logistically, um, just wondering, how did, how would it, how, who would, the, the budget proposal didn't include, I mean, so there were some facilitators. Would the facilitators then be responsible for recruiting the 
the focus group members. Um, so, and, so yeah. um, we would, re so in the 500 who gave their emails, we would send emails to them, and we would, so that, and we don't, we don't know there those that responded that they wanted to part give, participate in focus groups, we don't know their ethnicity, race, because mm -hmm. we're not tying it in that manner. I know in the survey it's, it's asked up front, but there's no way to connect um, by their name or their email. So we wouldn't be able to do that, but that's a great idea. Um, because that would give us additional information that is probably um, valuable for us to have. My apologies for interrupting. Um, per the uh, City of Sacramento uh, Council Rules of Procedure, Chapter 8E4, continuation of a meeting extending past 9.30 p.m. Oh. requires a majority vote of members present, and it is 9.21 p.m. Um, um, uh, so we can hear a motion to extend past, I know we're getting to the end of things here. I can hear a motion to extend past 9.30, or if there's no motion for that, we will have to cut things off at 9.30. Can we revisit this at about 9.27? I think we could I think we could get this done before 9.30. I think so, yes, too. I think so, too. So my last question was just about the motion. Was it to, it would send this proposal to the, to where, to, City Council to consider funding? I have a motion. Um, I don't want to jump out of line, but I have a motion that I think could clarify a little bit if, if, if uh, the committee will indulge me. Uh, so my motion is that we uh, delay the focus group proposal pending the outcome of the P, P, and E vote on subcommittees. I second it. So I have a motion by Member Gorris and a second by Member Sala. I'll now take the roll call vote. Uh, Member Bird? Yes. Member Cooney, or Vice Chair Cooney? Yes. Member Diaz? Yes. Chair Dickinson? Yes. Member Gorris? Yes. Member Masias? Yes. Member Nahas? Yes. Member Odo Kent? Yes. Member Peshaw? Yes. Member Riviera? Yes. Member Sala? Yes. Member Wolf? Yes. And Member Wright is absent. Thank you, the motion passes. Uh, we will now move on to Commissioner comments, ideas, and questions. Member Gorris? Oh, sorry, that was an error, sorry. Uh, Member Otto Kent? Uh, I was just gonna vote on extending the meeting. I was going to vote no. Member Sala. I have a quick question. So tomorrow, so the P, P and PE, we as an individual, I can call in and, and object to what's being recommended? Yes, the meeting is at uh, 3 p.m. Uh, members of the committee are allowed to uh, participate. But uh, me as an individual? As a member of the community, yes. 
As a member of the community, yes. Community, got it. Okay, thank you. Vice Chair Cooney. Yeah, I just wanted to let the newer members know we do have a Google Drive where we have a lot of information from pre previous years, previous presentations. Um, our outgoing chair, uh, Flo, she did a really good job compiling information. I'm, I've still been digging through it for the past few months, um, but I'll make sure that everyone has access to that. Um, at the end of the night, if you want to stop by and just leave your contact information with me, I can make sure you're all added to that. Um, so you can go through it, see what you have questions on, and bring it back. Um, I know that uh, Chair Marjorie um, Dickinson will have a lot of information, um, and we can follow up with any inquiries that come up after you've had a chance to dive into the info. And Chair Dickinson. Thank you. We will be out of here by 9.30. Um, because really, I'm, I'm going to ask Ash, can you send every member of the committee, um, every the contact member info for every other member of the committee? I would need to double check, like, I don't know. I'll get back to you on that. Oh, we might have it. You sent, you're, you've been emailing us. I blind copy, um, but that's more for purposes of the Brown Act so that somebody doesn't reply all um, and it becomes a meeting over email. Let me just yeah. look into it and get back to you on that. Because yeah. I did say early on that I wanted to start meeting with each member of the committee one-on-one, -on -one. and the other thing that I would like to do, somebody else already mentioned it, but um, for those of us who are um, council member appointees for sure, um, I'd like to meet, have myself, Duke, and District 1 meet with the District 1 council member and so on. And I'm, I'm looking at the folks who are not um, appointed by committee members, but you live in a council district, so we would keep you in the loop to meet with your council member, if that's coherent and makes sense. So, I, my deal is I'd like to be in contact with people sooner rather than later so that we can get recycled through in the optimistic world I live in before our next meeting. Gotcha. We will work on that. Thanks a bunch. Uh, Vice Chair Cooney. All right, really, really quick. Um, on the drive, there is a roster uh, with all the contact information of the current members. Uh, once I add you in, just go ahead and fill in your info there. I think that might be the easiest way to get around um, any conflicts. Um, it's just your name, email, phone number, um, and then we can also use that uh, opportunity to figure out what committees people are interested in, um, and then we can have uh, our chair make the motion during our meeting. I, th I believe that that's the way it worked previously with ad hocs the chair would, would motion during the meeting for someone to join a particular committee. And that's it. Thank you. We'll now move to public comments. I have no speaker slips from those in chambers, and I have one hand raised online. Uh, Mr. Lambert Davis, it's now your time to speak. Mr. Davis, it is your time for comment. Okay, here we go. Now... I'm going to give you a summary of what I just heard tonight, which is staggering to me. It's, it's literally staggering. As a person who attended many Measure U meetings before it was voted twice, I understand Measure U. And as a small business out of an underserved community, 
I wanted to know, would that apply to us? And Mayor Steinberg said yes. Now, as I witnessed what I witnessed last summer, and Mr. And Ash Ragani confirmed it in a Measure U committee meeting, that we'll do better because your paperwork was not submitted. But what they, what a pe people didn't realize was I intentionally went to four different meetings in District 2 to see how you would handle my paperwork, and you got an F for that. There's no way that somebody's paperwork could be lost in four different locations. No way. It is just not possible. And as far as these focus groups, that there was a focus group. It was an Asian group that was a focus for the Asian community. I know La Familia. I know Hispanic Chamber. I know the Black Chamber. I know the Urban League. That's an excuse. And I'm going to tell you something else. You would not pull this off in other districts because once the money was approved, they want you to implement. They don't want to hear about any more surveys and, and things like that because I have friends all over this city that like cheesecakes. And this is stunning to me what you did tonight because people that are even members of the Measure U Committee are still dumbfounded just by what I listened to. I think it was intentional, and that's why Sacramento City Hall has a systemic and institutionalized racist. Thank you for your comments. Uh, your time is complete. Madam Chair, I'm going to make a motion to extend the meeting past 930 just to cover ourselves. Yeah, that's, that was the final. Uh, that was the last okay, comment. There sorry. Was, there was no other comment past that. Uh, uh, this concludes today's agenda. Thank you, everyone, for your participation. The meeting is adjourned. Thank you.